The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. How's it going, everybody? This is Mike Sempervivi, a Wrestling Observer Live in the Adam and Mike Big Audio Nightmare, located over at WrestlingObserver.com. We want you to listen to our show, but we thank you very much for checking out Keeping It Strong Style here on the Social Suplex Radio Network. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frogs. From the Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is keeping it strong style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be previewing Secure Genesis, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing to the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating interview. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Wrestling Tees store, prowrestlingtees.com slash socialsuplex. That's where you can get your official Keeping a Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate, clicking on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWWorld.com, with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level. You can visit NJPWEXT.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? Six comments, two retweets, one quote tweet, and 32 likes. That's the amount of support that I have garnered thus far in my quest to be a professional wrestler. (laughs) Okay. And uh, Sunday night, I put out a tweet asking for all of you, the listeners, and those of you following us on Twitter, to support me. And uh, for for those of you that did support me, you know, uh, I appreciate the love and support. But I lost my match. And it's because the rest of you. Because you people. Because of you people. <laughs> so, actually, let me, let me look at this right now. Let me look at this because I'm going to look at the tweet activity, okay? Mm-hmm. 1,265 impressions. That's how many times people saw this tweet on Twitter and did not like it. You got to be kidding me. Bro, I did fantastic this weekend. I was this close from winning my match against Mr. Entertainment, uh, Xander Creed. And, um, dude, like, I probably needed, like, four more likes. Mm. And I probably would have won this shit. I think we were doing it all wrong. We should have been doing, you know, the spirit bomb method and give, give. That's you, what this was. Give you your energy. There was a moment in the match where I put my hands up in the air and I called out <laughs> to the earth, people of earth, 151 engagements. That's how many times people interacted with the tweet. But I gave you, I gave you the support that I got. I mean, God, I don't know. 
I mean, well, I mean, you're just starting out, man. You know, you got you got you to build the people's trust. Listen, those people, okay, that's that one thousand two hundred sixty-five. You know, minus thirty-two. What is that? That's like one, two, three. I don't know, six. I don't know. I'm bad at math. So am I. <laughs> <laughs> However many that twelve hundred people that didn't support me, like they're not coming up with me. Okay, they're cut. Probably listen to this shit right now. A lot of them, <laughs> but you know, fortunately, fortunately, this was not a real match. Okay, this was a showcase exhibition. It does not count on my official lights out, unsanctioned. It was not sanctioned by anybody. It's it was a gym war, and so when I when I officially make my real debut, I will be an undefeated wrestler. My cage match record is unblemished at this time. I mean, you don't even have the the official name yet, do you? I don't have an official working name right now. So, I'm just out there. I'm taking names and kicking ass and getting pinned one, two, three. (laughs) (laughs) Clean in the middle of the dojo. There's a job (laughs) to be done. (laughs) Oh, man. What's going on with you? Uh, You know, nothing much, man. Just doing, doing our thing, man. Getting through this the pandemic, things seems to be kind of the kind of the, the upswing. Seeing the light at the end of the tunnel, vaccinations are rolling up. Uh, I'm getting vaccinated next week, man. Next week, this is perfect. I mean, just before I go out amongst the uh, the the humanoids and you know the 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 belt mutants when I go to GCW Bloodsport six and just what is that next week? Yeah, next Thursday. Yeah, me, I, me and you will be there. I convinced Jeremy to go with me. <laughs> yeah, I feel fine about it though. It's at the Cuban Club, outdoors, distance, distanced, and so you know, and masks mandated and required. Uh, so I feel I feel fine about it. I mean, it's outside, so. Yeah. But uh, now I'm getting injected with some nano machines. <laughs> You're getting a <laughs> some, microchip, some fucking fox dye. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna feel better about it, you know. Well, you know, the, the real reason I wanted to go is our good friend Rocky Romero is going to be there. I do want to go support Rocky. I also uh, want to support Chris. Uh, Chris, if you're listening, <laughs> I think we got a spot for you on the mic here, kid. We need to talk to you. you know? By Chris, you mean Dirty Daddy. I'm talking about Dirty Daddy Chris Dickinson. You know, uh, I've seen him live multiple times, but at Bloodsport, this would be my third time. So gotta t- we got to talk to that man one of these days. Definitely, yeah. Well... Slide into DMs and we'll get him on get him on the air here. I always slide in DMs. <laughs> no, not anymore. <laughs> oh man. Well, we we got some big news to uh start the show off with. We got to talk oh, about do we? Yeah. I thought we were gonna keep answering. <laughs> <laughs> this this is a thing that people uh it's on the top of everybody's minds right now because this morning we had the unveiling of the new IWGP world. Heavyweight Championship belt. There was a presentation on this morning's uh, Road to Secure Genesis show, and this has been the talk of wrestling Twitter. Everybody's talking about the new look of the title. We got a bunch of question here uh, from listeners. Well, before we start, let me ask you this because I wanted to wait till we got on the air for you to chime in and voice your opinion on. This super controversial matter, okay? <laughs> I wake up this morning, okay? And, you know, we got two Road to Sakura Genesis shows, the 29th, the 30th. I got them marked in my my gimmick, my little, uh, you know. Calendar app. My middle school. No, it's it's pen and paper. It's a middle school planner, my sixth grade planner, you know. And um, 
I'm like, I marked it the 30th, the reveal of the IWGP World Heavyweight title. So, like, I'm all stoked about it. But I know that I need to stay away from spoilers until, you know, until the end of the workday when I can actually watch this shit. So I open up the messenger thread, which we have a no spoiler policy in both of our group threads. The first thing I open up, there's like 60 comments and there's all these fucking pictures of the new IWGB title. I didn't get to see it unveiled. I didn't get to see the crowd reaction. I didn't get to hear the epic ass music or Sugubayashi or any of the other chairman, you know, handing this shit. I didn't get to see like, uh, you know, um, freaking Ibushi's reactions or, or the Uznas or anything like that. I just see like a million joke memes. Does this constitute as a spoiler <laughs> in your opinion? Because to every for everyone else, they're like, well, it wasn't a match, uh, you know, outcome. It wasn't a storyline thing. I'm like, dude, it was the whole reason to watch on the 30th for the reveal of the title. This was a show spoiler. And everyone thinks I'm, I'm, I'm in a tiffy, but I'm like, dude, we've been waiting for this for like over a month. No, this is a show spoiler. You guys fucked it up for me. <laughs> Yeah, I do think it it is a. It, I mean, it spoiled the reveal of title. Um, yep. I mean, personally, I, I wasn't offended by it because I mean, I woke up that morning. I kind of wanted to get on Twitter and you know put that tweet out there, kind of get into the, the conversation. So I spoiled myself, but you know, we we are in the spoiler club. I mean, they're living up to the gimmick of God. of the messenger app. And then everyone acting like I'm I'm like crazy because I don't want to be spoiled on the belt. Well, the belt means something, okay? I'm sorry that you guys watch promotions where the belts are just gimmicks, but this shit's real. Right. I mean, it was a whole ceremony and <laughs> all that stuff. And you know what? After watching this, I guess we can get into it because after watching the ceremony, my opinion was a little different than it had been to prior to that, just seeing pictures and the hot takes and, you know, the flame threads and all the joke meme, you know, tweets. And then all the uh, fucking Joshi, or not Joshi, I'm sorry. All the uh, Pro elitists, you know, putting out there, well, actually tweets. Right. You know, and, you know, trying to educate, you know, the plebeians. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, after I watched the presentation, I had a little bit more of a different feeling towards the title. Um so yeah, so I mean they had the presentation today. Um, well, let's talk about it. Yeah. I mean, they uh, they showed you know they they showed the, the IWGB Heavyweight Title video, the the IC Title video of all the past champions, the champions roll call for both titles. Uh, they had Sugabayashi out there and some of the other um, officials of the IWGP. Uh, to I noticed the Never Committee was not out there. Right, only the IWGP <laughs> committee was out there. Bushi Road showed up. Never ain't one. None of nothing to do with this. New Japan showed up. The IWGP showed up, but Never was uh, you know curiously quiet about this. Yeah, and so they had the, a big you know Bushi handing over both titles. You know, kissing the titles goodbye, looking at the title like and- he's Bret Hart. <laughs> <laughs> you remember Bret Hart? Like every match, he would kiss the title, and like you'd be like, oh, I think you might lose it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> So he hands both the titles over, and then they do the big grand unveiling of the the new title. And um, there wasn't really a crowd reaction. They're not really allowed to make noise, but I noticed there was still just kind of felt like a lack of energy. Mm-hmm. But they did have this really, really epic music that like accompanied it. And, 
you know, uh, Abushi was kind of dressed to the nines. Um, I think someone should talk to his tailor. I didn't totally <laughs> like the cut of his uh, clothes, but I saw what he was doing out there. You know, he's making effort. Um, it's not easy for big muscular men like him to get a fitted, you know, sports jacket and uh, tailored pants like that. So I see what he's doing. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's trying to take it seriously. Uh, I saw people, you know, posting saying like that the look on his face was disappointed. But when I watched it live, I didn't feel that way. I felt like he stayed in character. And Yeah, I felt that way too. And then once they did the photo ops at the end of the ceremony, he was smiling with the belt. Yeah. So. I also don't know how anyone could like infer what the facials of Kota Ibushi are even <laughs> trying to say most of the time. Um, and, and that's not a racial thing. I've always felt this way. Like, I don't ever really know what emotion. He's kind of stoic-faced. Right, and unless he gets often. into, like, murder quota or he's, like, smiling. Yeah, and even then, it's, like, very slight shifts. You know, like, they're noticeable, but, like, you know, it's almost like in the anime when, like, someone, be, like, you see, like, the, 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 like, face and then, like, a slight like smirk, smirk. <laughs> and you're like, oh shit, they mean business. That's what like Kodabushi, like like he he's crazy. Anyways, yeah, so, I did see on on the site though there was a thing where Kodabushi commented like that he might not have known what it actually have meant to combine the titles, but hmm. he, he's happy with it. Well, you know, again, this I don't I don't know how much actual input Kota Abushi as a real human had in this management decision right. uh, to do this, or to be the you know, the focal point of it or the first champion. And in a way it is an honor to him in kayfabe that they've chosen him to be the very first guy in the history of that lineage. So, um, you know, there is that, you know, take whatever you feel about that, you know, take that for what it's worth. But, uh, you know, it is, you know, interesting that it's him. It's not, you know, Naito, it's not Tanahashi, it's not Jay White, it's not, you know, Okada. So, but, um, you know, immediately, when this happened, people saw this belt and Bearing I think it. highly, di- well, you know, there are some people that do seem to like it or seem to be, you know, indifferent, but there's a lot of people who, you know, are really, really, really against this. I mean, uh, from what I've seen, just generally speaking, it seems like the negative responses are much higher than the positive responses. Right. But I don't know if that's like a, a vocal minority or, if that's just Western fans, but I mean, the jokes came out almost immediately. Yeah, Diva's title, Cody's tattoo, uh, Willow, uh, Jeff Hardy, the Jeff Hardy belts. Um, yeah, the um, I'm trying to think of something else that I saw. But yeah, it's a, a bunch of it, it got it got memed up just and destroyed. Transformer, you know, Optimus Prime, the the the, yeah. the, the um, that Transformer logo. Yeah. And, um, you know, and then on the flip side, um, you know, I don't, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know how, um, new Japan as a whole is really kind of, um, I don't know how they're like sifting through the comments and everything, you know what I mean? But they did put out a, uh, you know, kind of like a breakdown of, um, basically what went into the design on their website uh, today. And I don't know if that was just something they were going to do anyways, or if that was in response to sort of the backlash, you know? I'm thinking that they were going to do it anyway, especially since there was no live English commentary, because there was, you can kind of hear, like they were saying, Lion Mark when they were going over the belt on the the ceremony, so. And it looks like uh, the guy that made it is Belt by Dan. Yeah. Who is like one of the better belt makers. Uh, I 
you know, he's done quite a few of like the NWA belts and things like that. And he's been making belts for a long time. I, I remember watching like you, YouTube. I'm not like a belt mark, but I've watched some of his YouTube videos. They're pretty good. Um, but like, you know, he's kind of like one of those big names, you know, Reggie Parks, Dave Millick, uh, Milliken, and, uh, you know, belts by Dan. Like he's kind of one of those guys now that's sort of in that spectrum in space. And, uh, he also, um, put out some posts about it. It was funny. Like a lot of people were flaming him and he was just like trolling people back. Like he was like, he put up that, that thing where it's like, uh, my response when I, when, when I see people, you know, trashing me over this belt and it's like the one where the guy's like crying and then he's got a bunch of money in his hand. And he's wiping his tears <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> with, the, with the fucking dollar bills. Um, but I mean, you know, I'm not, I don't know. I, I didn't think to like bring the whole breakdown of, cause I don't care. But I mean, do you care? Uh, I mean, I, I kind of know what the four big parts are. I mean, I could, I could pull it up if you. I know what it is. So basically, they've got the dome design in the center of the belt, and that kind of was taken from the original IWGP logo on the first circular belt that they had. Right. And then the second belt is the crown belt, and so the top of the belt sort of kind of shifts up into a crown so that kind of uh pays homage to the second belt also the strap if you notice the leather is just a straight black strap that goes all the way across it doesn't you know um in encapsulate the entire uh frame of the the actual what's it called like the centerpiece right what is it called the, the um the plate yeah the center plate yeah yeah um so that's also like a hump a homage to that the third thing was that it has eagles wings that kind of shift out and the third belt the one that um i think dave marquez helped design um that one was an eagled belt and so the eagle design sort of pays homage to that and then the fourth one is like it ha- it does have that prominent um lion mark. lion mark logo at the tip tip top and that's similar to what was on the fourth belt right and then even the plates on the on the outside they're square, but inside of them, they have the same logo that was on the intercontinental side plates. Right. So there's quite a few, like, little, like, homages or... I, don't, I never know how to pronounce that. Is it homage or homage? I don't know. I, I, yeah, I'm not the best. At- homages. <laughs> the homages. They paid the homages. So anyways, um, you know, and people are seeing that and kind of, like, I guess, like, nerds, like, the belt nerds are kind of, like, really into that sort of stuff. My my whole thing though is this: the third belt already had a bunch of homages to the previous, to yeah. the first three belts. It had elements of the designs within it. In my opinion, I I will say this, and I think I we talked off air. I think we both have the same opinion. Like the version four IWGP Heavyweight Title was much better than this one. Right. I mean, the, the version four was like the perfect title. Yeah, it's one of those situations. I don't know if you like work for a company or know somebody like they like like just changing things just for changing things purpose. Like, oh, dude, my job changes stuff. They'll change stuff just to change things right. so that they feel like they're progressing, they're doing something new, or they're doing something. But I'm always like, this makes no sense because what we were doing works really well. Right. I'm a big fan of if it's not broke, don't fix it. Right. Dude, I even had a, a meeting today at work where somebody, like a department, was like trying to change something that works perfectly fine. And it's like, why are we going to make something new when the, the thing that we have works? <laughs> and, and you know what? I'm I'm pretty open-minded guy. Uh, if someone presents something and it's like a smart idea or whatever, I'll try it, you know. 
what I don't like is when someone tries to uh, basically give a suggestion to me in a realm that they don't operate in, you know? So mm-hmm. if I'm an expert in X, Y, Z, which I, I am in certain aspects of my job, I actually have a very sp- highly specialized function and role in my company that like literally nobody else has. And they'll, they'll suggest stuff to me and they're like, well, what if we did it this way? And I'm like, well, no, <laughs> 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 that makes no sense. And they'll be like, well, why? And I'm like, Hey, I see what you're trying to say, but here is the logical reasons. And usually I can hold back the tide of change, which I, I don't like change anyways. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, I mean, they had the perfect belt. There was no need to change. Like what was wrong with that title? That's the main thing here is like, who was asking for this? What was, you know, the big, you know, reason or, you know, um, what, what was, what was causing this to even happen? You know? Right. I, I don't think I didn't hear. A, now the one thing that people did say is they said there's too many belts, but I don't remember a lot of people being like, we need to get rid of, the IC, the IC and, and the, unify and the, <laughs> the titles and get rid of the, the lineage and and you know what I would have been fine I guess if they just unified the white belt into this belt and then did a new title and kept the lineage you know right or they could have just kept the old belt design and added the word world to it right that wouldn't have been that hard to do it wouldn't have, yeah. <laughs> But uh, we got this. Now, I don't hate the belt. Um, I When I first saw it, I thought it was too small and looked... Um, but I saw some, like, not great pictures, you know? Right. One thing you got to take into consideration is uh, New Japan World, like, streams at, like, what, 720p or something like something that? Something like that, yeah. Uh, maybe 1080, I guess, but it's not... It's not high. It's, it's not, not true crisp. HD. Yeah. So, like, you know, people are taking screenshots off that. And also the way that they had the lighting hitting it, it, it kind of like, you know, changes. You know, the the coloration of anything is going to get changed depending on what the light exposure is. So when I saw those early photos, I was like, I I don't know about this, you know. But um, as the day went on, I saw more pictures and and more uh, angles and shots. Yeah, belt belt by Dan. He put out shots that he had. Yeah, he, and he explained. He said, you know, he's like the, he's like this design was a design that New Japan asked for. This is what they specified to mean what it needed to be based on their desires and wishes. Um, and he was like, it's a beautiful belt. It's twenty four karat gold uh, overlaid. It's four layers. Uh, the actual plate is four layers. So, you know, this is a custom-made belt. And then he said that there's 100 hand-laid gems throughout the whole thing. I mean, when you look at it, like, up close, it does look pretty good. I, I'm not really down on it. I, I wish – I think people probably listening are going to uh, want us to just bury this under the earth. Yeah. There's one one other description here on the site that I want to, to read out. Sure. So it says um, – so going more in detail on center plate, we see the concept of the flight into the world at large. The lion oh, mark. I saw that, and I thought this shit was so marky, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, go ahead. The lion mark in the upper center represents the sun above the earth below. Flames emanating from the sun are those of the fighting spirit, which also represented by a sword piercing the world below from top to bottom. Five gems around the center glow represent the continents, as well as NJPW's five decades of history. Each gem is set in a fang-like position, bringing to mind a lion gripping the world in its teeth, while wings emanating from the globe representing taking flight into the world. Yeah, also those, um, the gem layouts are a lot more reminiscent of the first IWGP title as well, so quite a few little callbacks there. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of people want us to just like 
bury it, bury it, and talk about how the company has lost their way, lost their mind, and you know we already did that way, way, way ago when we talked about the lineage. We talked about you know all that. Now we're here, and so it's like, what else are we going to do? Like, do I want them to have gotten rid of the lineage? No. Do I want them to have kept the old title? Yes. But they didn't do that. And so, I mean, if if that's something that's going to deter you from watching this product, I guess I get it. Not really. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I, th- I think the title design is fine. I well, do I, think it's fine. Like, I I, I like it, but it's it, just not as it's good just as not it better been. than the main title they had. No, it's replacing a ten for sevens. Like, yeah, it's probably better than a seven. Like, I actually think it looks fine. I think. Part of it is it's non-traditional in the design, and so it's a little unique, and so people probably are going to need to get used to it. Right. It's not the traditional kind of circular shape that we're used to. Yeah. And, and, I mean, who knows? Like, I, you know, I hated the third version of the belt, and I was glad when Brock Lesnar took it away (laughs) and they brought back the the crown because I've loved the first two designs, but I did not like that third design. At all. Um, and, you know, believe it or not, it took me a little while to get used to the fourth design because mm-hmm. I was used to the classic title that was very low-key. That th- Those first two belts are not, like, ornate or very gaudy or anything like that. But when you look at the fourth design, I mean, it's super ornate. Right, and those, those earlier ones are smaller than the fourth one, too, yeah. Yeah, and it wasn't bad. I just had to kind of get used to it and i do think people are going to just kind of have to get used to this one but i mean if you think that there's not going to be like incredible matches that are like contested for this title and you know the top guys that are in the company are still going to be trying to get go for it there it, it's still going to be involved in the top i mean programs. look at the first match i set up for it abushi Precisely. and osprey there's, there's a reason why they picked that because they want to establish this new title with a phenomenal matchup and so I totally agree. And you know that there is precedent here, although it's not quite the same thing, but like when Shinsuke Nakamura was the reigning IWGB champion in late 07, early 08, and he had the second version of the belt, he unified that title twice in a very short period of time. He unified the old NWF belt, which had been resurrected, by the Inokiists. <laughs> and it was a that was the predecessor as the top belt in New Japan when Inoki was in his heyday until like about 1980 from 73 to 81 that was the top prize in New Japan and they resurrected it because there was these Inokiists that you know kind of idolized and worshiped him and so they they set that up as a secondary world title and then Nakamura unified those belts I believe he beat Takya. Uh, yeah, I think he beat Takiyama for the bell. I could be wrong, but and then Kurt Angle came over as part of the TNA deal. He had the Inoki Genome Federation third version of the IWGP title that IGF at the time was using as their top belt. It was the design that Brock Lesnar left with, and so then they had to reunify both of those together. And then a month later, they debuted the fourth version of the belt. So, I mean, literally, like, a month after your, these two big unifications took place, they they did a, a new belt design. So it's very... It kind of reminds me, in a way, of what happened here. You know, you've got a big title unification, and now you got a new belt. Right, and also, I mean, we, we have a, a lot of people kind of talking about the end of the era 
And, you know, with Naito winning double belts, it's kind of being that the end of that kind of golden age era that we had. And so maybe, you know, this, this new title is a way to actually represent a, a new start, a new direction, a different it, path. It, it absolutely is. Yeah. Uh, undoubtedly. Um, whether that's for the better or for worse remains to be seen. And I think that's always the case when history's actively being written right in front of you. It's sometimes hard to assess in that moment what's actually taking place, you know? Right. Especially at the beginning, too. Um, but this is a transitionary period. Uh, it's marked by a lot of big moments, and this being one of them. Um, I did say I was going to hate the title design uh, when we talked about this with Chris Samsa a few episodes back. And um, I don't actually hate it, but I'm not in love with it either. I'm not going to sit here and defend it to people. I get what they did. But I think it was unnecessary. This could have been way worse, man. Yeah. I mean, look at some of the belts that have come out, especially, like, look at, like, in WWE. Look at, like, the IC title and the U.S. title. Those are, like, the two most recent ones, right? Yeah. Those are bad. Like, (laughs) I remember, like, fans making fan edits to the U.S. belt. And it being way better. And they were way (laughs) better, you know? Yeah. I will say that company has some some titles that I like a lot, especially yeah. like the NXT ones, the UK belts, the the UK tag titles. I are, think are, are awesome. Or, I think the women tag team titles, especially the, even though they don't mean much in the company, the design of it, the though. design of them when they unveiled them, I was like, wow, those are really sharp. Yeah, the the NXT the main NXT UK singles belt, Walter's belt. I like it. I j- I don't really like that it still carries the same shape as all the other. Big WWE titles, but I do like the design of it. Um, but I love the tag titles over there. I th- they're they're incredible. Um, yeah. So I mean, there's. I think at this point right now, though, a lot of like pro elitists are kind of making the claim that the triple crown belt is like the best looking major title in Japan right now. Yeah, which that's, it might. That's be. what I've been seeing. Uh, and and I, I can't really you know fight with that because that belt also looks very good. Although Suwama's trying to split those up um, into being, you know, represented by the same three belts that they used to be Mm. back in the day. So who knows? That might go away too. Yeah. (laughs) But, uh, yeah, I mean, I I don't have a lot more to say here. I just think, um, you know, it's kind of interesting. We're going from controversy to controversy. Last week it was the the will be thing, and, like, I haven't heard anyone talking about that since last week. And um, now it's this IWGP title, and I don't, I don't know if maybe this is a lot of small things building up that is leading to an erode, you know, in the minds of fans, an erosion of the product in their yeah. in their opinions, or if these are just those things that just happen, you know, people get upset about things, they freak out, and then you know, and then they move on and they forget about it, and I do kind of think that this will be forgotten by the end of like. By the end of next Sunday, no one's going to be talking about how shitty the title looks. Right. I think if, you know, Abushi and Osprey have a blowaway match, I think that's going to be the talking point. And I think going forward, just establishing the belt with great matches, I think a year from now, if a year of great matches underneath underneath our belt, then it's going to be like, we're gonna just going to kind of forget about it. Are there any um, world titles that you remember from any promotion uh, on any level that you, like, really despised? The only one I can really there's one I can think of when um when the spinner belt Oh hit, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I fucking hated that spinner belt and like um and you know what in in fact I'll I'll take it back. I liked the spinner belt initially when I thought that it was, it was going just Cena's, right? <laughs> I thought it was his concept title 
the way that the U.S. one was. Yeah, or so they lost it. It went back to the or original like the design. smoking skull belt, right? Yeah, or brought the Rama Bull belt, and then it. Well, I don't think Rock ever brought that out though. Right? Yeah, yeah. But uh, but then it never went away for like <laughs> for like over a decade. <laughs> <laughs> so you got like you know CM Punk and Edge and people like that, and Rob Van Dam, Batista. <laughs> uh, yeah, I didn't. I really thought that that was a terrible looking belt, and I think that this belt looks better than that one. Yeah, you know. Um, I'll tell you the truth. I don't really like the GHC title, the the one that they came out with a, the redesign a few years ago, the one that Muto has now. Hmm. Um, it's fine. I like this belt better than that one. So yeah, I'm trying to think if there's any other world titles that I've just hated. I've seen some um, in MMA that. I'm not the biggest fan of, like, the Ryzen title that they have over there in Japan now. The first early ones in, like, 2016 were great, but the the modern ones are huge. Uh, this belt does kind of remind me of the um, some of the Pride belts or, like, Dream. It also kind of reminds me of the IGF belt, the one that Inoki Genome Federation eventually adopted after they lost the third version of the IWGP title. So in a sense, it is a very Japanese title to me because it, it the design of it, the fact it almost like kind of confesses down into a point like a shield. Yeah. There's a lot of belts in Japan that sort of have a similar design to that. Yeah, because that's the one to make more maybe more traditional, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I it's like kind of traditional and then all at the same time like non traditional. Uh, if that makes any sense. <laughs> yeah. It's sort of oxymoronical, the belt. Yeah, it's kind of a blend of, of both things. I saw someone saying, like, this, this, uh, they said the belt was, like, extremely overstated and understated all at the same time. <laughs> and he's like, there's certain things it should be doing that it's not. And the things it's doing, it's doing the wrong things. So I, I've, there are people who, like, have called, I've, today, friends, people I've seen, been like, this thing's dog shit. This company's going down. And I'm like, guys, come on. You're overdoing it. Like, Oh, the impact title sucks. Is I, I was trying to picture the impact. I don't even. I it's got. I can't fucking, even picture it right now. It's like now. a fucking Art Deco design. Do you know? No. Uh, yeah, it, it sucks. The old the 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 old uh, designs were really good. The TNA World Titles both yeah. both versions were very good. Yeah. But yeah, the impact title sucks. It's like yeah. an owl. That's right now. I'm picturing. Yeah, yeah, with the anthem owl. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. the anthem owl is yeah. terrible. ROH has had its oh I, ups and downs with world titles as well. Oh shit, they had that silver title. That that one was like a shield too with the right. eagle. Yeah, that the Davy Richards uh, yes. era belt. That belt sucked. Yeah, that was pretty bad. I real I also don't like the the current. The current. I don't like the current one either. I I would say I like this belt better than the current belt that they have now. Yeah, and the, the current belt they have now is just kind of generic to me. It's just you know, there's not much to it. But um, I like the original belt, the R, the one with the red R. With the red, yes, that's uh, the one that Jay Lethal held during his um, year long reign. I like yeah. that. I like that one. Yeah, the the previous belt, the one that Cody had. Yeah, yeah, very good design. So I mean, there've been some bad, you know, main titles out there in the past. I don't think this is the worst one by any means. Yeah, like you mentioned, it could have been way worse. It, it should have been better, you know. But I think people get used to it. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have anything else to add to it? Honestly, not really. There's not, there's not really much to break down here. Like we did, we I think we did an excellent job breaking it down. Yeah, like the designs there. Like either you. Maybe, maybe, I think maybe some people might appreciate it more when they understand that there was a lot of 
thought that went into it. Or maybe it's just one of those things where you look at it and you're like, Transformers <laughs> more than meets the eye. Right. Or you think adrenaline in my soul. Something, something. Cody, Cody Rhodes. Rhodes. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. Snoop Dogg jumping in. <laughs> Why? Is, I thought they were going to do that like once. And they kept I know they it. kept it. I'm it's like. so bad. But yeah, I think at the end of the day, this title is going to be. Hey, I'll tell you what. If Cody Rhodes ever comes back to Japan and wins this shit, it's perfect for him to just slap a fucking sticker right <laughs> yeah. on that shit. The Nightmare Family logo right on the middle. You remember? Do you remember when um, Lance Storm used to do that shit in WCW? Mm, yeah, it made everything like the Canadian titles. Yeah, he was slapping stickers on them. <laughs> yeah. It was great. Um, but I think at the end of the day, what's really going to make this title you know meaningful is the booking and the matches. Yeah, in like a year or two, you're going to see... Not all these names, but some of these names having held the belt. Jay White, Kazushiko Okada, Tetsuya Naito, obviously Kota Ibushi, Will Ospreay. Tanahashi. <laughs> possibly Hiroshi Tanahashi. So these, you know, who knows? Kenta, I don't know. Zack Sabre. There's names out there. Um, and it's going to be, a. it's still going to be the top title. It's still going to be prestigious. And they're still going to have bangers over the belt, you know? Right. And I'm curious to see what they're going to do with the presentation. So I know for this ceremony, they showed both champion roll calls. I wonder if they're going to do that uh, before the world title match. It kind of, I would, in a sense, if they continued to do that, like I would kind of like it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> um, but we'll see. I don't know if they will or not. But that would be really like that might kind of appease some of my negativity. I have the negative feelings I have towards this thing. Yeah. Um, or maybe you know. It's never too late to like retroactively just reinsert the the lineage back into the original IWGP lineage. Be like, oh no no no, you guys misunderstood us, <laughs> right? Recon. We we always intended to have the same lineage, you know, and then just go from there. Right. They they probably won't, but who knows? Yeah, we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, I think the title. Oh, one last thing, um, Kota Bushi. So at this. Uh, press conference he said that he's not going to put the belt around his waist until he's defeated will osprey for it so mm. during the actual presser he kept it on his shoulder yet he, he he has yet to earn the right to wear it around his waist so when he comes out the first night you're not going to see him wearing it around well, he, his waist. he came out with it in the main event of today's show yeah he didn't wear it he didn't wear it around his waist yeah uh, so let's run through these questions. Uh, so first question. Oh, we still got. <laughs> yeah. I thought I was like we covered it all. <laughs> yeah, Muslim Viking Payne asking us for our thoughts on the belt, which we just did. Uh, Kevin from DC says it's literally been hours since they unveiled a title, but the initial opinions on the new World Heavyweight Championship design seems to lean towards it being a trash, a toy, etc. Personally, I like it, but I can see others need to get used to it over over some time. It reminds me of the version two title worn by the likes of Hashimoto, Muto, Sasuke, and others. While still retaining some modern aspects, what are your gut reactions to the unveiling of the title? So pretty much kind of covered that. But, I mean, my initial reaction, because I saw it on Twitter, was uh, I did not like it at all. But kind of like we talked about, as we saw better pictures and watched the ceremony, I did like it more. Uh, pretty much the same thing with me. I mean, I, I already kind of voiced my opinions on that. I wish I apologize. I wish we would have gone through some of these questions. But, yeah. Uh, came from DC also asked out of curiosity what do you think of Kota Ibushi's first look at the World Heavyweight Championships when they pulled it back pulled back the curtain to reveal a new title he seemed to show no visible reaction although we couldn't see his face as they were focused on the new title 
He did see Humble when they formally presented the new title to him, although that might have been for the photographer's benefit as they were taking photos. So we kind of touched on that. Yeah, too. and see, Kevin's saying that he he thought that he was taking like a a humble approach. Other people have seen disappointment and sh- you know shock on his face. I kind of saw it as him just being like being somber, like you know feeling the gravity of the moment, but. How could you actually tell? Because A, the camera wasn't focusing on his face, and then B, Abushi's not the most expressive person in the world right. all the time. Yeah. Um, Dom Homie one on one also asked for our thoughts on the belt, um, thoughts on the induction ceremony of the championship, any thoughts on the online reaction to me. I don't have a problem with the look of the new belt, but I think it's some t- but I, but it will take some time to get used to. The belt logo is some similar to the Depth, the Depth Set logo than the Diva title, but fans are overreacting like that, like they always do. I also like the ceremony that New Japan did to showcase the new title. Yeah, I mean, I like the ceremony overall. What did you think about it? I thought the ceremony was actually pretty fitting. Um, it, th- they didn't have the biggest turnout. Um, I don't know if that's a bad sign, but they, they had like 300-ish. I don't know what the state of emergency protocols are still like in um tokyo right now yeah these last two nights of korokin have been pretty low um so i don't know if that's a bad sign or what but uh yeah i thought that they did the presentation as well as i mean i i when i was watching it i felt like it came off pretty well anyways yeah personally uh then hawaiian punch bv asked the new belt looking like something straight out of common rider is this Gato's long-term booking for finally putting the belt on Goto since he was recently on a common Rider thing. I I kind of yeah I've seen people also talk about the common Rider thing. Yeah, I, I would be very surprised if uh, Goto ends up with a uh, IWGP World Heavyweight Title run, especially after being pinned by Taiji Mori. Uh, next questions here from Ram Bone Slam Pig. He says, as the IWGP Heavyweight Title is retired. What do you see as the highest point of the fourth version of the belt? What was its lowest? <sighs> the high, What was the highest point of the IWGP title, and what was its lowest point? Oh, the fourth version. Yeah. Yeah. I, well, I'm calling it the <laughs> IWGP title. In my mind, it still is. Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's, that's hard to say for me. I think probably, probably Wrestle Kingdom 10. Um, when, when, um, God, what's wrong with me tonight? I'm tired. When Okada beat Tanahashi, finally beat Tanahashi and like he'd won the belt already, but that had been sort of, in my opinion, that's the feud that sort of set new Japan on the map. And also, especially in the West and kind of revitalized them in the East. And it also, sort of solidified Okada as being the true representative ace of the company going forward at that point. And uh, it was like a true passing of the guard. Plus, that's sort of the time when the Tokyo Dome shows really kind of, they hadn't hit their heights by any means, but they started to turn the corner to where they weren't just papered shows or anything like that. Like the, the previous couple shows had been okay, but that one... Drew a little better and started the the turn to where they started to really sell out dome shows again. You know, yeah. Uh, for me, I think what the highest I just think about like the best you know match of the title. I think that the Omega Okada uh, two out of three falls at Dominion. Uh, to me, I think that's probably the, the, the highest hype that, that that title had. 
Uh, but I do agree with you know that Okada Tanahashi feud definitely helped elevate that title to that prestigious level it was at. But I feel like that Omega Okada, you talk about the pinnacle or something. I feel like that was the pinnacle of the title. There, there's other. I mean, there's lots of things you could point to though. I mean, that belt debuted in 2008 and lasted until 2021. I mean, that's what 13 years. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's the Okada Shibata match. Just you know the fact Shibata never won that belt and. You know the the journey that he went to and went through to try and obtain that belt and what it meant, what it symbolized in that match, and that being his last match, it's pretty high. Yeah. Um, that's drama at the highest order. Another thing, Okada or uh, Naito winning the double gold the first time at the dome. Um, you know whatever happened with the fallout of that. You know, say what you will, but that moment was pretty damn high for for most fans who watched it i mean that match is incredible the match with him and okada and you know that that moment where he finally finally got solidified as the guy like that's a that was a big one too yeah so yeah a lot of great moments coming out of the fourth version of the belt uh, as far as the lowest i i think it's it's evil, evil. it's evil it's yeah. easily evil um is now an appropriate time to finally take a fucking victory lap on this shit <laughs> Hey, it's, it's always an appropriate time to take a victory lap. Listen, like, I feel like there was a point where, thank you guys for sticking around who are still here, but there was a period where I think people thought that we were, like, turning maybe on the product or something like that, or we we just had sour grapes or we were missing the bigger scope and the picture and the opportunity. And now I've, I've literally witnessed and listened as – the proponents of the evil push and what it might have meant for the company and how good it was for the B block and what it meant for the story of LIJ and the opportunity that, that was created to make a star, how they've all turned back on that shit. And now it's not a hot take anymore to say that it was a really bad idea. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people kind of turn the corner and be like, yeah, you know, maybe the evil title run wasn't that great of an idea. Because you can only have so many <laughs> terrible matches with Dick Togo interferences and... Turn the lights ref off. bumps and <laughs> lights turning off and to the point where, like, all his matches become skippable. But we were already calling this from day one. So, like, I just like to kind of... Just kind of like to throw, it out, throw that out there. You know, like, like we were never with that shit. And... We played a game at the time when he won the title and his title matches were fucking awful. And you looked at the the last, you know, decade of champions and guys that had held that title. And I mean, by far, by far, the worst champion in like a 15-year period is evil Watanabe. He's yeah. by far the worst. I mean, that's his legacy at this point. Is there time for him to make up for it? Sure, but like... I think it's an abject failure uh, commercially, um, creatively, entertainment-wise, work rate-wise. Oh, God, fuck. Yeah, there was there's so much awful things that came out of his title run. And, like, you know, this the, the general perception that New Japan is on the outs and that things are down are, uh, you know, not anywhere near to what they're made out to be. And most of it really does come from that title reign specifically right like things would be so much different if anybody else but evil would have held a title last year so 
Uh, his next question he says, "Who was the greatest IWGP Heavyweight Champion of all time? What metrics do you use to determine that? Is it biggest drawn houses, best in performances, most memorable rivalries and feuds, a combination of all those, or something else?" What do you think? So I think um, you definitely have to have a I think a combination of those because um, being the IWGP Champion or the World Champion of your promotion. I think that's what they're counting on you on. They're, they're counting for the champion to be a draw, to have the best matches, being the best rivalries and the best feuds. Um, so I think it's definitely a combination of that. As far as who is the greatest IWGP heavyweight champion of all time, um, I mean, uh, maybe because I don't ha- have as much history or knowledge as you, uh, maybe some of the past title reigns. I mean, instinctively, I, I kind of want to say Okada, just with the the incredible reign that he had, the houses that he drawn, uh, just the way that the, the company was elevated with him on top. Yeah, um, I think that it really depends on how you want to measure it out. You know what I mean? And like you said, um, and who asked us this question? A Rambo and Slam Pig. I haven't been looking at my run sheet. I'm kind of <laughs> just. I, I do better when I'm actually looking at the run sheet. Um, it does depend on, I think everybody takes into consideration all those things, uh, the, the metrics that he sort of uh, mentioned, you know, in-ring performances, drawn houses, memorable rivalries and feuds. Uh, but I also think with the IWGB title, there's some unique aspects in that they track the title defenses and the right, days held yeah. and the number of, of um, cumulative that you've had just across the board, plus how many reigns you've had. And, um, I think when you kind of measure it all up, depending on where your emphasis is, will depend on what your answer is. I think that a lot of traditionalists will probably list either Shinya Hashimoto or Kijimuto as their top based off the fact that the company was just financially so much and commercially so much higher at the time when they were the champions and the houses and the gates they drew like, you know, they, they dwarf anything that Tanahashi or Okada did. But it's not like Tanahashi or Okada were not important to the well-being of the company or that they didn't contribute in meaningful ways. You know, the business was different at different eras. Right. Um, I would say, personally, it probably is Okada based off of just that the kayfabe aspects of it how many title defenses he had. He had more than anyone else. The days held was more than anybody else. Uh, I I think he had more reigns than anybody else as well. So he kind of broke all those IWGP records, but not just that from a, you know, um, from a analytical standpoint. I mean, I can't think of anyone else who ever had as many great matches during those runs as he did, you know, including Hashimoto, including Tanahashi, including Muto, all those guys, uh, Nakamura, Inoki, Fujinami, Choshu, none of them did what he did, you know? And he, he's still young. He's, he's going to have another title reign. There's right. still a lot of great dance partners for him. So he's going to continue. Well, but it's a different metric now because it's a different title. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so you kind of have to take that into consideration. Mm. I like, see, for me, I like to kind of just consider all the top belts that the company has promoted as being 
equal markers across the board uh, because I feel like that's the only fair way to do it. So right. when, when you really do that, the greatest champion in the history of the company is Antonio Inoki. <laughs> <laughs> because as many defenses as like Okada had, and he was only judged against the IWGP metric, when you compare it to the amount of titled defenses, days held, and all the metrics that Inoki had, it's not even close. Right. You and, know, and just the the pop culture status that Inoki yes. had. I mean, yeah, there was n- never anyone else in the company that attained the level of stardom that he had similar to, I mean, Giant Baba was pretty much the same way in all Japan. There was no one who ever got to the same levels as the two pioneers of those companies did coming out of the heyday of JWA. Like, yeah. it just didn't happen. Um, so, yeah, I do think, like, for me, it's going to be interesting what happens going forward when you when you when like nerds of histories and stats and lineages kind of talk about Okada going forward and how the changing of the lineage kind of plays into his overall you know um, you know legacy basically yeah but yeah I I think it's him I, I think there's an argument for Tanahashi too yeah but I think it's probably Okada. Uh, his last question, he says, what the hell are they thinking with the new belt? Do you think this would be less of a letdown if it didn't come amidst a time when the product is not at its peak and COVID is still missing with crowd reaction? Is that 2016-ish, 2020-ish new golden era truly done? <laughs> uh, I mean, I think the new golden era starts earlier than that, personally. I mean, I think it probably starts around 2013. I think it, yeah, 2012, 2013. I think it really starts when Okada shows up yeah i mean the company was on the uptick anyways already but i think it's kind of around there but um yeah i mean we kind of talked about the new belt i can under i told if you don't like it i totally get it i'm not gonna sit here and be like you fucking idiot right (laughs) you know they're they're clearly paying homage to (laughs) you don't understand perezu (laughs) no like if you don't like it's all opinions if you don't like it you don't like it like whatever you know yeah like, I do think that it's kind of interesting that they're picking this time, though, like he said, in the middle of a pandemic, in the middle of a period where the product is sort of being seen as on the downside. Um, is this a good or bad thing? And I mean, it remains to be seen, but I could see how people might see it as a negative. Right. And especially coming off the, the will be thing, coming off the evil title runs and people just kind of being down on New Japan in general right now. Like, this is kind of kind of like, so another like bullet. <laughs> Um, at the chest for, for fans And it's kind of like eh And so I, I can see why fans are upset I see why they're why this kind of adds to their, their Distaste of the product right now But at the end of the day I think it'll, it's, it's all going to be fine I've been tweeting with uh, uh, John Snowden I know I've been seeing notifications I think he's getting mad through. at I think he's getting mad at me I think he misunderstands like So he put he posted a thing about like the IW I, I'm only bringing it up because it's appropriate For what we're talking about but he shared pictures of the different designs through the years. And he was like, originally the title was awarded yearly as a prize for the tournament winner. And there was a time where I thought this too. Remember this? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then I discovered like, no, that's not how it worked. And so I, I was like, Hey, small correction. It was awarded in 83. And then every year going forward, the winner defended it against the the, tournament, the tournament winner except in 86 when Inoki was the champion and he vacated so he could compete in the tournament and win it and to win it back. (laughs) 
And then he was like, what you're, he was like, what you're describing here only happened once if I recall correctly. So it was like pretty, pretty cordial. And I was like, well, Hogan defended against Inoki and lost it in 84. Then Inoki defended it against the tournament winner in 85, which was Andre and he beat Andre. And then in the same tour, he defended it against the former champion, Hulk Hogan, and he retained it. Then he vacated the next year. So then he was like twice out of five years. Got it. So he like kind of snarky, kind of got snarky with me. And I was like, yes, like I said, annually against the tournament winner. Does that not like denote that it only happened very rarely? Right. Yeah. And then I was like, which only happened a few times. Then he's like, yes, the tournament winner faced the previous champion. Sorry, my tweet didn't provide appropriate nuance. And I'm like, bro, why are you getting like pissed at me? Like, I didn't tweet the incorrect fucking information. I'm trying to help you out, bro. Like, what the needs to do, needs to uh, do his research. Yeah, bro, do your research. I mean, I bro, and the funny thing is, I like his shit, but like he he like pops off on people like I, I a lot, think, yeah, a lot. I think he's like always just like on the defensive. I wasn't even like trying to like fight with him. I generally like most of the shit that he posts, actually. Well, let's uh, transition here. We had uh, two row two shows to talk about. Getting uh, snippy with me? What the <laughs> fuck? <laughs> Not know I'm a worker, bro. You know, you'll you'll drop that man on his dome. A uh, fucking pool guard, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Shoot on that man. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so we got a uh, two row two shows here to talk about. Uh, we had a row two show on Monday, um, the 29th. So that show opened up. We had Lij, Bushi, Zanata, Shingo, and Naito defeating Gabriel Kidd, Master Wato, Suji, and Yumura. Nine minutes and forty-seven seconds. Um, we're seeing the kind of continuation of you know Suji wanting to face Naito. There's a lot of kind of tension, and a lot of the match kind of built around their interactions. Um, yeah, and there's also some on like some beginning tension uh, between Yumura and. Uh, Sonata. Yeah, Sonata. And Sonata. it's sort of like a gamesmanship. Um, you know, you're more trying to out-wrestle, you know, the master wrestler in Sonata. Right. He got a super close near fall for O'Connor Roll yeah. on Sonata, but then Sonata was able to, to show him how it was done and get the win off of that. Right. Uh, also, uh, Shingo and Gabriel Kidd um, had a lot of interactions as well. Yeah. At the end of this match... Um, Naito put the Boston Crab on Suji post match and was holding on to it, wouldn't let go. And you know, you you know what it means when you know a veteran puts the Boston Crab on a young lion. Disrespect, yeah, <laughs> putting them in their place, letting them know where the who the fuck they are. <laughs> you know, that's why that's why every time I wrestle, I put someone in a Boston Crab, let them fucking know. <laughs> I, I actually I haven't done one since I started wrestling. <laughs> that, that should be your finish right now. I don't have, well, I have, you know what, I have a finish, but I I haven't unleashed it yet. Mm. I haven't perfect, I'm perfecting it, you working out the kinks. I haven't gotten to that level yet. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> I'm hurting really bad today, actually. <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 incredibly bad. Like, it's kind of shitty. <laughs> uh, next match, we had Zugigun, Doki, Desperado, and Kanamaru defeating Taguchi, Sho, and Tiger Mask. So they're obviously previewing uh, the Rapungi 3K versus Suzuki Gun match. Yo is not was not in the match. Yo's not showing up until Sunday at Sakura Genesis. So um, yeah, and that's an interesting thing there because I'm just wondering like we've seen in the past where they haven't been hesitant to bring someone 
back during a road to show like Hiromu right before Wrestle Kingdom. <laughs> exactly. So, you know, um, maybe he's not ready, but I'm kind of wondering, like, is it beca- is it because he's not ready? Um, or is it because this is being done purposefully story element. for a story element? Because we haven't seen Sho and Yo on screen together post match in the promos, like and nothing, you know. Mm-hmm. So that kind of like, uh, you know, I, we kind of had a concern, like, would there be a split? And I think a lot of people don't are kind of thinking that that's not the case, but uh, it gives me a little cause for concern that they're not showing up on screen together. Yeah, that that, that definitely could be some foreshadowing right there to the, the breakup of uh, Rapungi 3K. And also, uh, show looks like he really wants at uh, Despy. Despy, that's right, because Despy is double, double champ. And so a lot of the interaction in the matches have been between Despy and show. So, yeah, Show still has um, single aspirations and wants that IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. So that could come into play as well. Um, fine match here. Uh, Doki tried shoving the pipe up to Gucci's ass. Yeah, I'm not a fan <laughs> on of that the outside. shit. I, I don't <laughs> like that shit. And it, it's funny because, you know, these New Japan fans, when they want to go at, like, AEW and Tony Khan for, like, bullshit, always leave out. The ass shit with with Taguchi and people getting their thumbs up people's asses and their pipes fingers and pipes and like it's kind of conveniently it's sports centric, bro. <laughs> they are strictly sports centric. That's why I watch them because they only do sports. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then Taguchi like nah, bro. <laughs> God, he's like hold hold you know, this uh, hip hip attack. I love New Japan, but I always think people that say that are like. When I see people saying that, I'm like, you don't watch New Japan. You clearly don't because there's more, like, it's not just sports. Uh, it's sports-based, but there's other things. There's entertainment thrown in there all throughout. Yeah. Uh, Despia gets the win here with the numero dos submission on Tiger Mask. Yep. So then we had the Bullet Club team of Bad Luck Fale, Evil, Kenta, Taiji Shimori, and Yujiro Takahashi coming with Dick Togo defeating the chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, Toriano, and Yoshihashi. So they're still building here for the eventual never six-man tag title feud between Bullet Club and Chaos. Yeah, and a lot of the the main um, focus seems to be Kenta and the fact that he stole the bow staff, the bow staff, or, or the staff, whatever you want to call it, from um, Yoshihashi. He's been posting all over social media. Um, things with him and the bow staff. It's kind of reminiscent, though, in a way of what Tama was doing with the, the Iron, Iron Fingers Club, yeah. not so long ago. Uh, although, and I like Tama Tonga a lot. I think I think he's really good when it comes to personality and um, you know promo cutting and all that sort of stuff. Even some of the social media, but. Kenta like cracks me up in a different way. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm not gonna like begrudge him too much for doing this, but it's sort of a it's a kind of a rehash of something that just happened with the inanimate object in the same faction, you know, not too long ago. Like that was last month or the month before. Right. Um so I don't know. But you know, they're do I think he's trying to make some chicken salad out of chicken shit. You know, they don't have much really to go off of. And uh, you know, he's got the bow staff, so yeah, so he, he used both staff here in this match. He hit Yoshi, or excuse me, hit the Goto with it, which opened up uh, Taiji Ishimori to hit the bloody cross on Goto and to get, get the, the surprise get, win. Yeah, get the big win, junior heavyweight uh, pinning uh, Hiroki Goto here. 
And so clearly that it's probably going that means that Taiji's probably gonna be on uh the team that challenges the chaos. So it'll probably be Kenta, Taiji, and then one other bull club guy that the challenges I think guys. Yujiro. Yeah, it could be Yujiro, could be Evil, Fale, all the guys that were it, it could be Well Yujiro was the one that pinned Yoshihashi the first time, right? right? Yeah. I so, think so. Yeah, yeah so probably Yujiro, Kenta, and Taiji. Right. Um uh, we had some questions here. Kevin from DC said, "Any thoughts on Taiji Shimori getting the pinfall over Hiroki Goto on the 29th, leading somewhere, or just another case of Goto being Goto or Chief J Goto, as Damon from Super J Cast affectionately calls him? Obviously, because of his height, there's literally no chance of Ishimori moving up to heavyweight. So, why do you think Gato gave up the win there?" Yeah, I think he gave him the win there just because they want to set up this never six man title match. It is an open weight title. Taiji's right. not Taiji's not doing anything right now. He's not challenging for the junior title or the tag title. So they're like, hey, let's throw him in this open weight match. So let's make him a credible threat and challenger. So when they actually have a title match, you can believe when Taiji's in there with Goto or Yoshihashi or Ishii that he could actually pin them. Right. Yeah, that's perfectly said. I don't have anything uh, really else to add to that. Uh, I guess the one thing I would say is it also kind of puts over just how like in reality on a normal given day if Ishimori had hit the bloody cross on Goto I wouldn't see him beating well I don't think they put Goto in that position right. to ha- to have to kick out but let's just imagine in kayfabe that it happened he'd probably kick out but the reason he didn't was because Kenta hit him with the staff right and so now that really puts over you know kind of the disgrace uh, an, an accomplished acclaimed heavyweight Getting pinned by a junior, you know, and it and solely due to the fact that the staff that belongs to his partner was used against him, it really adds insult to injury, you know. Right. So not only does it do favors for Ishimori, but it also, you know, adds tension and heat to the feud itself. So yeah, yeah, and just makes uh, the narrow six man title match more interesting. Correct. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so semi main event of the evening, we had Jay White teaming up with Gato and Jado to defeat. The team of Tenkoji and Hiroshi Tanahashi, so they're still building, um, you know, the never potential upcoming never title match between Jay White and Tanahashi. Yeah, it's not happening um, so far because uh, you know basically Jay White's out here calling out Tanahashi, and Tanahashi's like, "I'm not going to face you." Right? Yeah, I don't have to. Jay White, he has the uh, new uh, TTO shirts. Yeah, bringing back the Tanahashi tap out. <laughs> um, they're ab. still doing the the ab show offs at the beginning and post match. Yeah, post match uh, after they won, he was taunting Tanahashi and you know basically saying like, "Look, you're an old man. Like, hey, you you kept up your physique, but you, it, that only goes so far. Look at me, I'm the guy on the block, you know." Mm-hmm. And uh, Jay White's in fucking shape right now, man. Dude, he is shredded. Fucking shredded. Yeah, he's like, are you going to clap for that fat old man? (laughs) Are you going to clap for this? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Someone should should grab that sound bite and, like, loop it into, like, one of Rich's beats and shit. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, so uh, they got the win. Jay got the win here with the Blade Runner on my man, Kojima. Uh, Pretty good matchup here. Uh, then the uh, the main event we had the United Empire, Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and Will Osprey defeating the team of Kota Ibushi, Tomioka Hanma, and Yuji Nagata. Yeah, and uh, at the end of the match here, um, Will Osprey basically beating Hanma, and them sort of have or was it Nagata? I'm sorry, 
believe it was, it was Hanma. Hanma. Yeah. Yeah. He beat Hanma and Okan and, and Kaber holding Ibushi in the corner, making him kind of like watch, you know, as, as Hanma gets beat. And then um, basically Will Ospreay was like, what, what, what was he trying to like get him to say? That he wasn't a god or something like that? Yeah, he's like, yeah. He's like, Kabushi, Kabushi is not a god. Yeah. yeah. And so, yeah, just uh, kind of adding insult to injury, attacking Hanma, and making him watch as, you know, he carried out this dastardly attack on Hanma. And Kotobushi being, a.k.a. God himself, being unable to do anything about it. Yeah. And also, I'd say I thought this was the match of the night. I thought that um, uh, on both nights, in fact, I thought the United Empire versus um, Ibushi and Friends were pretty good you know, yeah. road to main events. I think United Empire, they've really gelled together um, as a unit, as a trio. They have some great chemistry now, and, yeah, they're doing some great stuff. Um, obviously, Ibushi's awesome. Nagata's still great. And then Hanma, when he's in, in with the right people in the right right spot, he does well, great as well. And so, yeah, some great chemistry between all six of these guys and you know, nice little matchup for this road to show. Yeah, so, you know, Will just kind of getting heat there, you know, putting the, the boots and the – the beat down on Hanma and, you know, kind of drawing the ire of Abushi. Abushi wanting to to get back at him pretty badly. Mm-hmm. And uh, that takes us to the Road to show on March 30th. We already talked about the opening ceremony that they started off with. Um, afterwards, we had our first match of the night. Uh, the LIJ team of Abushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Tetsuya Naito. They defeated the team of Gabriel Kidd, Tiger Mask, Yotsuji, and Yuya Mora. Yeah, so this was pretty much the same as the opener in the previous night because they swapped out uh, Watto for Tiger Mask. So you still had the same interactions between Naito and Suji, Shingo and Kid, and Sonata and Yumura. And then uh, Naito, he got the win here with the Boston Crab tapping out Suji. Yeah, post match, um, he continued to again put the Boston Crab on Suji. Um, the referees try to get involved, and Naito kind of acting heelish, almost acted like he was going to attack one of the referees. Uh, Yumura stepped in and actually slapped Naito and kind of, like, stopped him from from attacking the refs, and, you know, Naito was, after that, tranquilo, <laughs> which is a grift. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so they're kind of just continuing, you know, the storyline between him and uh, Suji, but it sort of seems right now like... Lij just abuses young lions like that's the phase they're in. Right, this is their their holdover until they uh, get into uh, bigger storylines. Uh, then the uh, second match of the night, we had Master Wato, Deguchi, and Sho defeating uh, Doki, Desperado, and Kanamaru. So again, uh, very similar to the previous night, um, except switching out um, Tiger Master Wato, and this time the the uh, Huntai slash Chaos team gets the win here. Uh, show hits the shock arrow on Doki. So again, just kind of building that feud um, leading into the junior tag title match on Sunday. Yeah. So just continued heat between him and them and uh, continued absence uh, felt with no yo present at all. Yeah. Um, also update John Snowden just like liked my tweets. So maybe, I don't know, maybe like it's hard to convey tone. So right. maybe, maybe he's not being snippy with me. Maybe I'm, maybe he thought I was being snippy. I don't know. <laughs> He's liking my tweets now, so I don't know. <laughs> uh, the next matchup, we had the Bull Club team of Fale, Evil, Kenta, Taiji, and Yujiro taking on. Uh, they defeated the uh, Chaos team of Goto, Okada, Ishii, Yano, and Yoshihashi. 
Uh, this match, we had the return of the, the lights going out. That started the match. Uh, Dick Togo turned the lights off, and um, Yana was the only one left in the ring, and Bull Club beat him down. Uh, and a lot, a lot of cheating and shenanigans here. Um, similar finish with um, Kenta once again. Well, actually, Yoshihashi, he got the, the bow staff back from Kenta and was going to use it, uh, but then the referee uh, took the, the bow staff from Yoshihashi, which allowed... Um, Yujiro to get the pimp cane and hit Yoshihashi with it. Kenta in the game over and gets a submission victory over Yoshihashi. Yeah, so it, I think it is going to be those three guys because you've got Kenta getting a big victory, you had Taiji Ishimori getting a big victory, and then Yujiro getting a big victory. So uh, it feels like it's going to be those three guys. Not a big fan of this match or the shenanigans that went on. Um, I, I got to ask you, so there, there has been the... Uh, especially a lot of the the kind of jibber jabber that's gone back and forth on Voices of Wrestling, um, their flagship uh, podcast, where they've talked about how a lot of the over, I mean, it was already a problem in the company, but very lately the the use of gimmicks, the use of you know not just gimmick uh, weapons, but actual literal gimmicks in matches. Um, like the lights going out, all the ref bumps, all the interferences, yada, yada, yada. Like the overabundance of the stuff all kind of started happening around the time that like Dick Togo came into the company with Evil's Push and the fact that he's sort of in the um, in the committee for the booking with Jetto and Ghetto and Jado. Um and all of them kind of like loving Memphis and loving. They're all boys, yeah. and they're all boys, yeah. and like there's no one kind of like sort of filtering this shit and telling them like, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing some of this stuff. Like, do you think that there's credence that because it feels like since around that time period is when you started to see so much of so much of this heat garnering taking place in this company? Yes, yeah, we saw increase in heat, increase in gimmicks, KOPW. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it's funny because, you know, there was a time where people were very, very concerned about the sanctity of New Japan Pro Wrestling, and they did not want Kenny and the Bucks to come in and, you know, tarnish, you know, the the sanctity that is New Japan Pro Wrestling. And you know what? I think I kind of agree with that, uh, you know, that stance. I didn't want I didn't like some of the things that were taking place when Kenny was uh, on top, you know? So I do somewhat agree with that. But it's funny because a lot of those same people are curiously quiet when this stuff is happening, you know? Right. So I, it's just kind of, I don't know, it's it's a little interesting that there's just, there's not as much, um, it sort of seems like there's a section of the fan, fan base that have kind of gone off and at least here in the West and have gone off and found other, you know, promotions or things that they like. And they're kind of, maybe they don't watch or maybe they are peripherally because of what's been happening this past year with evil and everything like that. But then there's another subsect of fans who are still here and they're like, so like diehard loyal. They won't talk about how bad some of this stuff is, you know? Right, yeah. And I feel like we're somewhere in the middle where like, we, we we were seeing the good things that are in the company that maybe others who aren't sticking around to watch are actually witnessing and observing. But we're also seeing some of these trends and like, I'm just not a fan of this shit. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not a fan of, fan of it either. Like, like day one here, you know, we're going to call out the good, call out the bad and we're not going to shy away. Yes. We love new Japan, but we can still criticize something we love 
And yeah, since Dick Togo's been on the scene, like I don't know if it's officially that he is on the booking committee or not, but it would make sense. He's really good friends with Jado and Gato. Um, all, all of their background from like Michinoku Pro and right. all that shit. And you know, they're in the middle of a pandemic. They're, a lot of ideas got thrown out that I'm sure Gato had in his notebook. And he's like, you know, I want to do something new, something fresh. You know, yeah, let's bring in our, our good buddy uh, Dick Togo in and let's shake them things up here. I heard something online where they were talking about like a good or a good booker is one who like knows not to pull the trigger on things that you shouldn't be doing, you know? And if and they, they kind of alleged that maybe it seems like Gato has gotten to the point where like some of the things he wouldn't have done in the past, he's been like, fuck it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> fuck it. I'm going to do it anyways. We're in a pandemic. Screw it. I'm going to, I want lights out. I, I want groats. I, I want yeah, this, this bow staffs. Sh- this shit all seems and feels like 1981, 1982 CWA Memphis like like Jerry Lawler could easily like fit right in with some of these storylines and, and brawl with the best of them like that's yeah. this is honky tonk man shit like <laughs> yeah so it'll be interesting to see how things shake out once the pandemic is over and we, we get full buildings and full crowds and they have, they have to sell out buildings um so yeah we'll see i mean i luckily it feels like we're not too far away from at least things reopening and people being able to attend things like this safely again, you know? Right. We'll see. Although I don't know if I'm ever going to go back to no masks. You know, I've been pretty like, I used, I usually get sick all the fucking time, like a lot. And like, I've only been kind of barely sick, like once or twice in the past year. And they were like pretty minor, you know? And both times I thought I had COVID. I was like, it was like a one day sneeze because like allergies. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like COVID, <laughs> but I got tested and I had nothing. And yeah. I, I really think the masks work like for, for all the anti-maskers, like, I don't know, this just seemed to work for me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> although there is the argument that like, you're not getting exposed to shit. So now your immune system is being weakened. Mm. And like, what if I get like exposed to like the common cold and I die now? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know. Maybe you got to do mask on for some places, mask off some places. I don't know. Mask on, ma- mask off. Yeah. <laughs> I've been taking, I've been taking vitamin D. I don't know, man. I'm just been working out, trying to get some sun. I don't know. Drink yeah. water. <laughs> you're, you're just being an overall healthier person. Maybe I'm trying to be, yeah. I got this Fitbit. It's changed the game. <laughs> uh, main event here. We had uh Tenkoji and Kota Ibushi defeating the, uh, United Empire this time. Yes, and this was a big deal because this is the first time that the three-man unit of the United Empire have taken a pinfall loss or a loss of any sort, really, as a three-man unit. And it was Jeff Cobb that got caught with the Kamigoye. While this was happening, um, Will Ospreay was sort of in the hangman's position in the corner, being held by... Uh, both members of Tenkoji, and this sort of made sense and played into the previous feud, ongoing feud that's been happening with uh, Tenkoji and United Empire. So that, that those two guys getting to hold him back, sort of um, getting some comeuppance for you know the injustices of the past, but also for the more immediate injustice of the previous night when similar situation played out with him, you know, doing the same thing to Hanma. Yeah. And then we had a lot of jaw jacking here between Ibushi and Osprey post match. Osprey is saying that he is New Japan Pro Wrestling, and you know 
both of them kind of saying, yeah, we're facing each other on Sunday. It's kind of this whole kind of jawjacking thing that they were doing. Yeah, Will Ospreay basically saying, like, I'm going to prove that you're not a god because as far as I'm concerned, there is no god, and I'm going to, like, show your limitations. And, you know, on the flip side, um, Kota Ibushi pretty much saying, like, I am the representative of New Japan. Like, he is the ace. He's the defender now. And he's going to keep this uh, British filth, <laughs> this scum, <laughs> this uh, rep pro scum out of New Japan. Um, rep pro trash. Rep pro trash. He also did make an allusion to um, Shingo in the comments. And he basically, he didn't say outright, but he kind of said that he would have rather. And I'm this is a loose translation. I, will, I guess what better translations tomorrow uh, when we actually see the po- you know the English translated comments but the way that it read from what i understand was that he alluded to the idea that maybe he would have rather faced uh shingo because he said shingo had more qualities as a person Mm. so he's basically like calling will a low person and saying like shingo is a you know someone who's deserving of an actual you know title shot for the world title you know right which i guess that's kind of cool we get to call this a world title now like without Sounding like idiots who don't know what we're talking about. Right. Because in the past, if you were like the world title. Like, no, 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 no. It's the IWGP (laughs) title. Yeah, so. Yeah, world title will be on the line on Sunday. Sakura Genesis. We got to do our uh, preview and predictions. So Sunday, April 4th, 4 a.m. Eastern time. Easter Sunday. We got Sakura Genesis. Yeah. Um. Big day. We're going to start the, the night off with a tag team match. Suzuki Goon team of Doki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. Taking on the Bullet Club team of Jado, Tamatanga, and Tangaloa. Uh, clearly, this is a preview match for the upcoming tag team feud that is sort of reigniting between Dangerous Techers and G.O.D. Yeah, and we've seen with uh, Techers kind of failing in the New Japan Cup, they've kind of rededicated themselves to be a tag team and get the tag team titles. Um, so I'm thinking that Zuguin's going to get the win here, and that's going to set up the tag title shot probably at Dantaku. That's the thing that makes the most sense to me as well. So, you know, who knows? Also, you got Jado on, on the Bullet Club team, and Doki has seemed to kind of elevated over um, Jado. Over, over Jado level. So there's always the possibility that Tamatank. Tamatanga and Tangaloa do something dastardly to win or get themselves disqualified or some shit like that. Right. Uh, but the, the most likely outcome, you know, I don't know, Black Zack Driver. Yeah. Then a uh, second match of the night, we have the Chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Kazuchika Okada, Tomohiro Ishii, and Toru Yano, and Yoshihashi taking on the Bullet Club team of Dick Togo, Evil, Kenta, Taiji Ishimori, and Yujiro Takahashi. I'm not sure. I mean, I guess I'll probably go Bullet Club on this one just because the continuing feud. Um, you know, I don't know. I mean, it, it's it's a continuation of the preview for this never six-man title match. I guess as I'm looking at it, I could see a situation where maybe Chaos gets comeuppance and, and wins again and maybe even gets back the, the, uh, staff. the staff. But then... That leads to the official challenge. Like, hey, you guys want, you know, an opportunity. You beat us. You know, let's do it. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I, think, I don't know. I, I I feel chaos winning here. Yeah, because they, they, just, they just lost two in a row. I feel like this time they are going to finally be able to outsmart Kenta um, and Yujiro and kind of use um, maybe the ref's distraction. Maybe Yano hits like a low blow. 
on Dick Togo and pins him. Ultimately, I mean, it could go that way. It doesn't really matter which way it goes. It's it's a preview match. <laughs> right. Which is kind of, um, you know, Sakura Genesis. I guess this is a talking point. Like, in the past, it's not like it's always been, like, a top, top tier level um, show. But generally speaking. I feel like speaking, it's been, like, a B level in he, previous years. It has. And, th- like, some of these tag matches feel, I mean, they're continued rehashes of what we've been getting on the road to show. So essentially we're getting road to level matches on the show. Um, right. Unless they give them like more freedom to work and things like that. But I feel like these are going to be kept pretty short. So I, I don't know. Right. I think they definitely had an opportunity here. You know, they've been building some of this young lion stuff. Why don't I just throw out like Naito versus Suji or Shingo versus Gabriel kids, not a versus Yumura. I, I don't know, but you know, I think part of it is like, they want to get as many people on as they can Star power, you know, uh, pay as many people as they can in True, the yeah. pandemic. I, I don't know. Um, I also think that they're prop. They probably have plans for some of those things down the line because they have s- they've spread themselves so thin and have so many big shows on the horizon that they're trying to just protect as many matches as they can as they go. So that's probably another big part of it. Yeah. So a uh, third match we have. Lij Sonata Shingo and Naito taking on the United Empire. Great Okan, Jeff Cobb, and X. Yeah, so we've got a mystery man, and they've kind of confirmed it's going to be a new member of the United Empire. And for a little while here, that was the big talk all week until the IWGP World Heavyweight Title reveal controversy. And now I don't really feel very much about it. I haven't heard much about anybody else. You know, kind of talking about this. So, yeah, uh, Karen from DC asked us. He said, obviously, obviously, Yo isn't going to be X since he is challenging for the Junior Tag Titles with Show on Sunday. The smart money seems to be on Hanare debuting with, debuting with the United Empire. But if you su- could suggest one wrestler as X who isn't Hanare, who would you put your money on? I've literally heard so many names at this point. Um, did we even discuss this last week? We did a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, and I listened to some other podcasts this week and they had some interesting um names that were thrown out there that yeah. I hadn't thought of, but I'm 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 struggling tonight to even remember who some of those names were. One name that I, I initially had thought about was Brody King because on Twitter, you know, he was complaining about him not being booked on the nineteenth anniversary show and um seems like maybe that would kind of been an excuse for him to kind of be out of Ring of Honor, but then he Showed back up in Ring of Honor with a new uh, stable of him, Chris Dickinson, Tony Dippin, and Homicide. So I don't think uh, it would make much sense for him to, to join the United Empire now. I mean, it could be Hanare, uh, especially with them kind of teasing a new storyline for him going forward within the companies. That would make sense. But, I mean, there's there's other names. Obviously, Robbie Eagles hasn't been back with the company since... Um, Late December with the Super Juniors, yeah, and he's been pretty active over in Australia, from what I've been seeing lately. I feel like it's going to be a heavyweight though, just because they're facing off against three Lij heavyweights. Like, like if Bushi was in there, I would say, okay, maybe it's going to be an Eagles, maybe you know ACH or somebody. But with three heavyweights, I think it's got to be a heavyweight guy. I remember the name that I was thinking that I saw thrown out there that I think makes a lot of sense: Kyle Fletcher. Mm, I did hear somebody say that last week too. Yeah, um, I can't. I I would give the credit. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it was Jay Cast. I or I don't know. Never Pod. I don't know. I listen to both those guys because they're in the same realm as us from time to time. But uh, 
I don't know who it was. I can't remember. But someone was talking about Kyle Fletcher and I think it might have been flagship. It could have been flagship. I don't know. It could have been Dave. I don't I really don't know. Um but you know, it would make sense if you think about it, just like his heel persona at this point, him packing on the pounds. Uh, there were plans in place for him and Dunkzilla to come to New Japan and work prior to a previous injury way back when, um, when they had kind of like worked the Austra or the uh, the UK tour right. against God, um, and that kind of never ended up coming to fruition. But I mean, if you if you want to talk about someone that could be brought in from the outside who has like that rep pro connection, I mean, he's a guy that like really could fit the mold, and I mean. That would put put like the group over in a huge way. Plus, I don't know. I, I guess he could be a new pin eater because he he is sort of a younger status than most of the guys in the group. Right. So instead of like Cobb or Ocon eating pins, you could have you could potentially have Kyle Fletcher eat pins if it's going to be him. And plus, I think his new kind of style he's been more of a, a strike, bruiser, yeah, more strike base, more kind of throws and suplexes, I think that would fit in with New Japan perfectly. But, I mean, there's a lot of names that are out there. Um, I think one of the things that kind of throws off some of those plans, though, or some of those speculations is WrestleMania week is next week. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you know, for instance, like a Leo Rush. People are like, it could be a Leo Rush. Well, no, it can't because he's working all these dates here. Right. And, you know, I haven't heard anything about ACH working. Anything yeah, WrestleMania week? Yeah, I haven't seen his name. Yeah, that's curiously suspicious. If you think about it, yeah, you would think he'd be like on Florida Culture or something like that. Maybe he is. Maybe I haven't looked close enough. I'm not. I'm pretty sure I saw the Florida Culture lineup. I don't remember seeing his name on there. Yeah, because I I was sort of thinking like maybe I'd go to For the Culture, but the lineup didn't look that appealing. Right, and it's just, I think it's a midnight show. Too. It is a midnight show, but I still kind of thought about it. Yeah. Like God, I'm not going to anything but Bloodsport. Yeah, same here. Oh, if you're listening, I will be working um, WrestleCon Saturday morning from 9 to 2. So, uh, Sai Dojo, we're going to have a booth. I'll be probably doing some Green Boy activities for some of the wrestlers. <laughs> I don't know, count money, keep people in check. I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. But uh, if you're going to be out there, I guess, come say hello. It's going to be all masked and distant. So. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I don't know. One name I was kind of thinking that I would like it to be is like Chris Hero. Yes. Oh, yes. I would love for it to be Chris Hero. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of just out there. Um, Instead of doing podcasts with Conrad, get back in the ring. Yeah, I knew he. That's what I heard. He was doing something like that, but I don't. I haven't seen him, so I don't know. Yeah, I think yeah, Hero would be awesome. One thing I just thought of the other day. Remember how disappointed we were when when Matt Riddle got picked up by WWE because New Japan started talking to him. Yeah. What a what an awesome miss. <laughs> <laughs> Like yeah, we missed we we uh yeah missed the missed a good a good one there yeah. <laughs> um, I don't know. Uh, could it be Goldberg? <laughs> uh, Dave Bautista. He's not going in the Hall of Fame now. Maybe there's heat. I don't know. No, nah, he's got a movie. He's doing some some TV gimmick. Is, is there anyone you could think of that you'd uh, like it to be? I, I don't know if there's anyone in Japan that maybe it could be. I mean, uh, there's always Mikey Nichols. I, I uh, he just won a title too in Australia. That could mean, like, maybe they're going to spotlight him. I don't know. Right. I mean, he could be a uh, good pinnator for the group also if they want. That's we speculated about him initially when Cobb was sort of X before. Right. And weren't then uh, Cobb and Nichols, weren't they a team? They were. World Tag League? Yes. 
So yeah, so that that and, could make sense. And that would be the whole Australia thing, you know, right? With their international flair, and I'm not saying I'm advocating for that. I just think like it makes sense. Who knows? Maybe that's what it is. I I also heard someone speculate and say maybe it was Hickleio. I I heard that too. I, I just found that kind of weird. Like I feel like he he has to kind of be in Bullet Club. That's what I'm thinking too, um, because of his connection to God. But what if like what if management was like, nope, you're not gonna be in Bullet Club. This is going to be your thing. You're like the Tongan in the group, you know, the son of Haku, and you're going to be their enforcer. And, right. and then it's like, um, you know, for like G.O.D., like, what the fuck, you know, right. turn on the family. Right, yeah. Who knows? Maybe that's a thing. He did spend time in Rev Pro very recently. That's true, yeah. I've also, I mean, Shooter Omino's out there, and he's not really doing anything, and I heard people talk about what if it's him. Right. Um, I mean, I, I I don't think it's going to be, but I mean, like somebody like Red Narita, I think would be kind of cool to bring over. Uh, possibly, yes. Um, there was also like people who really wanted it to be Chris Jericho. Yeah, because of his alleged connections to the group, you know, from the offset. Uh, and I don't think that's possible based on. Um, although you know there is a possibility if you think about it, because like. Um, what are they called? The Inner Circle? Yeah, they've been off TV for two or three weeks now with the beat down from the Pinnacle. He's uh, been off TV, and he's not working that house show Mania Week at all. Right. Or at least he's not announced for it. Right. I don't know. To me, it doesn't make sense because it seems like Inner Circles, they're going to be turning Bayface to feud the Pinnacle. I feel like it would be weird for him to join the top heel faction in New Japan. I agree. And then be a top Bayface in AEW, especially but, now that they're kind of talking and we're seeing some kind of continuity but this wouldn't be a well i don't know how much more continuity there's gonna be going forward because it's like you know this whole thing people wanted this door to be open brother and it seems like maybe it's exactly what i said it was when i was like it was a talent exchange right for two guys and maybe down the line they could talk more and that's all it was right i mean mock still has a title so that leaves the door open there's something open yeah yeah but um I don't know what I was going to say. <laughs> oh, I remember. Just, um, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, it wouldn't be us if we didn't throw out all the possibilities, though. Right. And I'm sure, and who knows, maybe it's going to be someone else that we haven't even talked about. But um, one thing I kind of thought about was, like, that we've, we've seen some confusion with things like this recently. Like, for instance, you, you brought up the, the end of the Ring of Honor anniversary show. There was um, an angle where Brody King and Chris Dickinson and Tony uh, Deppin Tony Deppin and, and homicide, homicide are all joining up together. Well, that's kind of interesting because that sort of creates a little bit of a conundrum when it comes to like the continuity of New Japan Strong, where you've got Dickinson on Team Filthy and separated from you know a guy like uh, Brody King, who sort of has his like little minions that he's kind of like growing the regal twins. with the regal twins and sort of doing his own thing, but. You know, those those things go taping to taping, so who knows what's going to happen on the next set of tapings. But um, they're in this tournament against one another, and they're clearly rivals and, and opposed to one another. So all I'm saying is that I don't know that New Japan is going to follow the same continuity across promotions when it comes to, like, ROH, AEW, Impact, stuff like that, you know? Right. So maybe it could be Jericho. My, my, my big reason for thinking it might not be is just because... I feel like he's such a big name, he would have to come in as, like, the leader. And there's already this kind of this question of, like, people are sort of wondering, like, is it Okan or is it 
Osprey. I think it's clearly Osprey, but sometimes the way they're positioned post-match sort of, you know, causes some confusion there. And one thing I'm glad you brought up post-match because it made me think about something we talked about last week of Mavs Gillis. We talked about Ocon should be translating what Osprey was saying, and they did that on the after the first row two show in the main event when Osprey was cutting the post-match promo. He cut his promo, and then he he let Ocon translate what he said. But they didn't do it the second night. No, because they they lost. Yeah, yeah. But it, yeah, but he was still in there jaw jacking with Ibushi. Yeah. So I don't know. But yeah, um, I mean, I guess I don't know. I don't know. I mean, who who do you think it is most likely? You think it's probably Hinari. I mean that may that's the I think that's the safest bet you know for if, if going to bet money on it like that's a safe bet you know he quote unquote you know went back to uh, New Zealand he left frustrated there was recently that big surprise at uh, AEW and it ended up being Ethan Page but remember there was a lot of speculation about who it was right for the ladder match or whatever yeah and there were some names that were thrown out there that maybe could. You know, potentially be. I know one thing. It, it's not Chris Dickinson because he's working Mania weekend. Mania weekend. Yeah, it's not him. Um, I don't know if it could be anybody from Strong. Yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's a ton oh, of people. Oh well, that's on that's another thing to think about. It could potentially be like an LA Dojo guy, like a Carl Fredericks. Yeah, or you know, let's say Connors graduated, uh, or like Clark Connors. Hoglin just came back. I mean, I mean, if if I was them, I'd try to pick up like. Uh, Fredericks. Yeah, that's the guy. Even though he's doing the whole lone wolf gimmick or whatever. Yeah, but that's just for now. He could come in and be like Wolfpack, <laughs> Carl Fredericks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then they get they get look at that like kind of the Native American. Yeah, he's part got, of their uh, empire. Yeah, he's got native blood, son. Um. We had some questions here, Kevin from DC. Obviously, Yo is not Oh my bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, did we do Dom Homie one on No. So he asked thoughts on who will be X in the upcoming six man tag team match between LIJ and UE. Will it be DMX, Lil Nas X, Exhibit, maybe a member of LOX, maybe a member of Xscape, or you know maybe Soldier Boy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I I think we've pretty much gone through all the people it could be. I'm gonna no sell his X jokes. <laughs> X gone. Give it to you. Uh. <laughs> Yeah, it, also, it, yeah. There's literally so many people. I mean, La Sombra, Andrade. Um, he doesn't have a 90 day compete. Uh, that would be interesting. I mean, I I, mean, I don't know that it should be him with that group, but yeah, I've heard. I do remember. I've seen people talk about that too. Yeah. So yeah, there's literally so many people it could be. Hmm. Uh, so, um, but I think United Empire is winning this, obviously. Yeah. Um, which means you know either Shingo Sonata or Naito are taking a an L. And, you know, the interesting thing, you've got Okan in there against uh, Naito again. And so right. there's kind of that continued story, too. And I think people are overlooking that. They're paying attention to X. And I think that's the diversion. The The real the real story here is Naito and Okan. Right. And I also think it's just very interesting, too, that they're kind of doing this kind of spotlight for LIJ versus Empire, which means maybe could they just be building to... The Naito Osprey match that we keep talking about has been pretty protected. It's possible. I mean, the other thing to kind of think about, you know, the main event, we're going to get there, but there's implications there. Generally speaking, it's not uncommon at certain points of the year for uh, potentially an entire um, faction to feud against another faction. 
I know uh, sometimes if you have a larger group, like say Bullet Club, they might get splintered depending on how the, the promotion's booked. So you might have, like we saw it recently, you know, these guys are fighting LIJ and these guys are fighting, you know, Suzuki Goon and these guys are fighting Chaos. But when you have a small group like United Empire, it might not be uncommon for all three or four of them to be fighting with potentially LIJ. Right. So does that kind of tip us off a little bit that maybe um, Osprey is going to lose because they're going to be feuding with um, LIJ? Or is that an indicator that he might actually be winning? And then if it was, who would be lined up? Is it Shingo? Could it be Naito down the line? Um you know, or maybe maybe it's inconsequential. Maybe those three guys are going to do their thing, and Will is going to be off doing his thing, right? Regardless, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, open the door to a lot of potential. Um, there's a lot of potential rivalries and matchups they can do here from the from those two factions. So then, uh, moving down the card, we have uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi and Satoshi Kojima taking on the Bull Club team of Bad Luck Fale and Jay White. So obviously more set up there for the never title. Oh, that's something we didn't mention um, in the post match of the the of Jay White was beating on Hanma with the kendo, kendo stick, and he, he asked, he said, uh, "Can I get a title shot?" Tanahashi said, "No." And so he cracked Hanma with the kendo stick. He's like, "It's your fault. You apologize to Hanma. If you had just said yes, I would not have hit him with the kendo stick." Yeah, I mean, uh, that logic makes sense. <laughs> um, so yeah, so more set up here. I'm sure we're going to see Jay continuing to agonize Tanahashi and kind of poke him prod his way. Uh, emotionally manipulate him. Yeah. <laughs> Terrorize him emotionally. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, interesting. Tanahashi and Kojima as a tag team. That's an interesting uh, combination. Um, going up against Fale and Jay White. Uh, yeah. I, I'm guessing Kojima's taking the loss here. Yeah. I'm going to go with the Bull Club team gain the win. If, if all of our predictions go go through this is a pretty heat heat uh show yeah, i mean man. so far we've got bull or we got suzuki goon winning the first one i guess you could call that a good guy uh one and then we got chaos but after that we got united empire you know bull club i could even see some of those early ones being the opposite so right potential uh, for a ton of heat here yeah fifth match of the night iwgp junior heavyweight tag team title match we got the defending champion Suzuki Goon, El Desperado, and Yoshinabu Kanemaru defending the titles against the reuniting Rapongi 3K, Sho and Yo. And question here from EMJ does PR. Presuming we get a barbershop rockers angle during the junior tag title match, who needs a new coat of paint more? Sho or Yo? Um I think it has to be Yo. Um, I, I think there could be an argument to repackaging show, of course, but the problem is if you bring yo back and he's just the same yo as he was prior to leaving and then show turns on him and becomes something else at that point, it truly elevates show, but it leaves yo completely in the dust to where like he's cooked. Right. Yeah. But if you do it the opposite way, Yo comes back with a new attitude, a new plan in place, and he turns. It gives Sho, who's been here the whole time, righteous justice to go after him and the impetus to to chase and, you know, avenge whatever the, the wrong is that Yo has, you know, caused. 
and it and it immediately boosts yo on return. I think I think if you do it the opposite way and you do something, you know, you you push show and you give him this big uh switch and push and you just bury yo on his after coming back after so long, I don't I don't know that it's going to garner the kind of sympathetic um you know, reaction that they'd be hoping for in that situation, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I definitely think it needs to be Yo. And, you know, Yo can has some things he can justify here. You know, he's been out this whole time. Show is, uh, you know, all he cared about was the junior title. He never checked on Yo. Um, he teamed up with Master Watto to go after the tag titles. He easily replaced him. Uh, so there are some things that um, Yo can kind of bring up to kind of rationalize why he would tack on shit, uh, tax show and be like, you know, you're you only care about yourself, and you know, I, I gotta do what's best for me, and so you can build a feud off of that, and so I think it, it makes more storyline sense, and then like you mentioned, positioning wise, I think it makes more sense to do that to to elevate yo, especially show who's had a great year, who's had these matches with Shingo and Hiromu, and um, you know, one of the top guys in the best Super Junior tournaments at the end of last year, you know, shows done a lot to kind of elevate himself with yo being gone. So you you need Yo to do this turn to get on Show's level. Yeah, plus, you know, if reports are to be believed, Yo is, you know, purportedly the better promo guy. And if he turns heel, I think that makes the most sense to have the better talker be the guy that sort of facilitates that role. Because as the babyface, Show doesn't need to say much to kind of convey what he's trying to get get across you know right we see it with ibushi i don't think ibushi is really a great promo at all no <laughs> um, but you know he's a lovable baby face you know ricky the dragon steamboat was the same way ray mysterio is the same way like lovable baby faces don't always have to be fantastic promos you know right especially uh, if they're white meat like that yeah see i'm gonna go with Suzuki-gun retaining here i i am too i think that's gonna be the you know impetus for a split more heat yeah, and, uh, it, and it could be delayed here. We might not get the full payoff right now. Um, this might be leading to something, or or we might get it right out the gate. Yeah. Um, I'm kind of leaning towards right out the gate. Uh, yeah, I wouldn't wait on this. I wouldn't wait on it. I wouldn't slow burn it at all. I think we've had a slow burn with this group for you know three or four years now, however long it's been. I think uh, – I. Thinking about it, it's three. But uh, I think now's the time, especially they talked about in the post-matches how important, uh, where are they, Sumo Hall? Yeah, Rio Goku, yep. Yeah, like how important Rio Goku has been to them and the, the, the famous matches they've had there, the title wins they've had, the defenses and everything. So, you know, I think that that holds special meaning. I think that's a great place to actually do it if they're going to, you know, pull the trigger and split them. I know Karen Sensei is out there somewhere, like, just, like... <laughs> Shaking her fist at us. <laughs> yeah, she doesn't want this to happen at all. Uh, Don, we want to ask, what will be the first program for IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion El Sparado? Also, is it possible that we may get a new title for the IWGP Junior, junior Heavyweight title, too? Um, I don't know. Who do you think would be the first challenger for Desperado's belt? Because, I don't know, our... It doesn't seem like we're getting a Super Juniors anytime soon. Right. I mean, I, I think show would make the most sense right now. Just based not, if, off. not if you're going to do this yo split. Right. But that could be part of the split. Like, show is just so focused on getting this your title. And then maybe you, you have yo also screw him out with the title match as well to kind of add heat to the feud. Well, I think if you're going to do that, then you hold off yeah. on the split for now. You tease it. You let, it, you let people know it's coming. And then you don't do it until... But, uh, you know, 
until the actual title match happens or afterwards. Um, but I wouldn't split them and then reward show by giving him a title shot right after that. I think that's bad storytelling. Yeah. I was trying to think because they haven't really set anything else up. Um, there's not really any other faces out there. I mean, I, I guess you could throw him like a, a easy challenge, like a Taguchi or Watto. Those are both possible um, scenarios I was thinking of. Besides that, like, I mean, Tiger Mask, <laughs> I don't know who else you, you put him in there with. I'm I'm really not sure either. I'm trying to think. I'm actually going to go to the <laughs> unless you, you you bring in somebody, unless you you bring in Robbie Eagles or you you bring in somebody from Strong. Like, was there any? I mean, he did lose to uh, Master Watto uh, during this Best of the Super Juniors clean in one of the main events. Remember that? That's right. Yeah. So yeah, could be Watto. Yeah. Um, maybe you do. You know, um, Jushin Liger. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe dust him off and say, you know, sorry, kid, we got to we got to get you back up. Um, I don't know. I'm looking at, I mean, I'm looking at the list of juniors that are there. I'm thinking of the realistic ones they could really do. Bushi's there. That's right. Yeah, Bushi. Um, that's a possibility. Yeah. I don't know that I would do that, but he's there. Um, Doki's there. You got um, Phantasmo, but Phantasmo's not in the country right now, I don't think. Um Romo's on the shelf. Uh, Master Watto. Robbie Eagles could be a potential. Um, if you get Rocky Romero back in the country, you could do Rocky. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe maybe he needs to, but I don't think he's, I think because he's here for WrestleMania, I, I think now's not a good time to set it up. Right. Um, Taguchi, show, Taiji Shimori. I mean, they're kind of limited right now, if you really think about it. Kenamaru. His tag team partner? Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd i probably go Watto as yeah. a holdover just based on the fact uh, that he beat him in the Super Juniors. Yeah, that, that makes the most sense. Um, so now let's uh, go. Did he have another part to that question? Uh, oh, yeah. Is it possible that we may get a new title for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title? I'm hoping that if we do, it's not like right away. But, I mean... You know, the whole point of that title was that it was modeled almost directly to be the smaller silver version, the junior version of the bigger belt. And now the bigger belt has changed. So I I would like them, if they do redesign it, I wouldn't want them to make a smaller version of the one that we have. I'd like them to do something a little different and unique for the juniors. But, um, yeah, they, they, they might change it. Right, I mean, I'd be perfectly fine if they didn't. I, I like the junior title design, um, but yeah, who knows? We, we might eventually see all the titles get updated. Desperado was also beaten by uh, Taguchi during the Best Super Juniors as well. Mm. So maybe there's, and he's kind of just sort of made his return on these undercards as well. Right. So that's a possibility also. They might even hold off on... Um, doing anything they might just keep doing like the junior tag stuff until they have a suitable challenger, challenger yeah established i think a lot of it's going to really depend on what happens here in this match uh sunday yeah so then we have the big main event for the iwgp world 
heavyweight title. The first ever world heavyweight champion, Kota Ibushi, defending his newly received title against the Commonwealth Kingpin, Will Ospreay. Yeah, man. Um, We've got a lot of questions about this one. I don't know if you want to jump into those or if you want to just jump into uh, yeah, we your thoughts. Yeah, look at the questions. Uh, so first here from a Reddit user XXGizmoldLDTXX says, Hey, guys, love the pod. Keep up the good work. Shortly after Wrestle Kingdom, you guys mentioned how you could see Will Ospreay winning the New Japan Cup and taking the titles off Ibushi at Secure Genesis. Now your fantasy booking has come this far. Can you still see Will Taking the W this weekend. Do you want to give me props for this? Yeah. Because I've been saying this like since like January like 6th. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been it's it's been coming for a long time. And like I've kind of I've had the vision, you know, I've been opening up my third eye, you know, <laughs> all that time in the side. Dojo. All the time in the side. Dojo has helped me. <laughs> um, yeah, man, I think. I don't know who's winning here. I'm pretty torn on it, especially I think having this designation that this be the first ever world title match and what that means uh, kind of throws a little unforeseen wrinkle into the stakes of the match, you know, but I could absolutely see Will Ospreay winning here. Yeah. I, I This is the main event. It, it can literally go either way. I think it makes there are storylines you could do with either guy going forward as champion. Um, for Bushi, you you have the Shingo match they keep they keep teasing and setting up. There's the Okada match that's going to be eventually coming. So there is stuff in the pipeline for Bushi, and I don't know. Like I just keep feeling that they're going to hold off on a title change until you get to um, to Wrestle Grand Slam. In the stadium or the Tokyo Dome Yeah, I think that the two, those two major shows Create a big conundrum about what you do here um, This is a pretty important match Not because it's being con- Not because of the kayfabe reasons But the real world business implications Behind this match And the perception of the company as a whole right now this is a super, this is a pivotal, pivotal match. Um, and these two guys have wrestled each other, I think, three times now. Um, twice in the G1. Once at Wrestle Kingdom. And once at Wrestle Kingdom. Maybe even three times in the G1 now? I don't know. At least twice yeah. that I remember. Um, I, it's tough, man. It's tough because my original thinking, originally, I never had those future um, stadium shows in mind And I never had the concept That Abushi Would now be a new title Holder because in Essence even though spiritually It is a continuation of his Reign I don't know that everyone sees It that way I don't know if the bookers are treating It that way I don't know if the fans are going to See it that way um, Because there is two ways of looking At it there's the way of looking at it where like he Loses here and it's like, okay, yeah, even though it was the first quote-unquote defense, he really had a lengthy run with the belt, had quite a few title defenses, unified the belts. Like, he did a lot. And it and so there's a, there's a logical out, or there's this clear delineation where it's like everything that happened up to now really doesn't fucking matter because this is 
a new belt, a new lineage, a new title, and now he loses it. You're a fucking loser. You <laughs> lost the first time. You know you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah, and that's the kind of tragedy we talked about last week that they could be set, setting up. And that's and that's you could be you could be angling right now for the tragedy. You're waiting to see like, oh, he stole this shit from you know, look at look at everything Abushi did. Abushi set a big thirst trap for himself and now he's fallen into it. Right. And you know, the person who's gonna be the perpetrator against him and uh and all that is Will Ospreay. You know, the guy that's going to steal it from him. And maybe that sets up some sort of big rematch down the road or some other program. Um, that's a possibility. Then there's the other the other way of thinking of it where it's like, because this is the first time that this title's ever been held, ever been defended, Abushi needs to retain to really get it going and get it established. Right. And I could see them doing either one. Right. Yeah, because there's, there's big matches down the line for both guys. I mean, Okada beat Osprey at Wrestle Kingdom, so that there's the Okada match for Osprey as well. There's just so many different options you can go go with for either guy if they retain the champion. I think you can do big matches either guy as champion at the dome and the stadium. I and I you know I'm not confident. Um, I'm pretty bearish to be honest with you. I'm bearish on both of them, um, and that's why I'm a little confused about why they're running these large shows especially and i know that everything is so fluid and changing and so but like we're we might be coming to a period now um i don't know what vaccines they have approved in japan i know that um like in russia they've got a vaccine that's different than what we've we're getting here and i know that in china the one that they have which is supposed to be pretty good um which makes sense because you know, <laughs> this shit was created in a lab over there. Uh, <laughs> but no, I heard that the um, vaccine that they have over there has like, been very effective as well. At least that's the report. So I don't know which vaccines Japan does or does not have access to. But I know like um, in Israel, they like vaccinated everybody. Like they got this shit popping quick you know what i mean like it made me be like man i wish i was over there <laughs> um so i and with how outstandingly their government has seemed to you know deal with this whole entire situation um i guess i'd have to look more into it but i would assume that they're making every effort possible to make this available to as many people as possible so like who knows if by like i know it sounds outlandish but now now that like I'm scheduled to get my vaccine next week and so many people I know have already gotten it, like who knows? Like they might be able to actually do a the big number. Crowd, yeah. And I don't know that that was the intention when they initially decided they were going to do Yokohama Stadium and the Tokyo Dome. And now if they now if they like are opened up, let's say in a month or two, is that going to look bad if things are really really opened up and they can't draw? Yes. And like I know you said like that there are big matches on um on hand for both guys and I kind of think that's true. I also kind of don't think either of them are as big of a draw as like a Naito, a Tanahashi, a Jay White or a um Okada. And I know the only way you get there is by positioning them to be that, but you don't throw them into Yokohama Stadium on like a one month notice and expect them to do business. You know what I mean? Right. Like it just doesn't work that way. 
uh, for either of them. I, I mean, I think I think Ibushi's probably going to hold on to the belt, but my my question is, who's the dance partner for these two nights? If that's what they're planning to do, and what's surrounding those cards, I guess those are all big questions we don't have answered yet. Right, and something I could see in a fair for Osprey, we got the fourth member debuting earlier in this show. Could the fourth member help Osprey win? That's a big question. I didn't even think of that. I mean, bro, what if it is? What if it is like a big name like Chris Jericho, and like that's one of the like, you know, aces that they've kind of got up their sleeve, that they're hoping like helps them to generate business. You know? Yeah. What if it's like Kenny Omega? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> that'd be like an out. That would be like the. There's no way it could be him, but like that'd be a funny thing to like throw out there. Dude, people will lose their minds. They're already losing their minds. Yeah, They'll, people will probably lose their minds if Will Osprey wins. Yeah, the thing, the my thing with Osprey though is that there's more big money matches available that haven't really been done, especially with him in this current role. Him as a heel, him as a heavyweight. Yeah, and then on the flip side, it's like there are guys. To work with Abushi, but like the only two big, the only really two big names that I can think of that maybe, maybe three that he hasn't worked with recently that he hasn't like gone out there and drawn money with is like Okada, Kenny Omega, and maybe Tanahashi. Like those are all proven draw matches with him. I don't know that him and Shingo. Does big business even though I think it's an anticipated And hot match I think it's capped at a Certain level you know the 10 10,000 maybe you know right And maybe that's what they're But I don't know maybe that's what they're angling for In these stadium shows because I don't even Know what the attendance realistically Is supposed to look like you know Yeah, What percentage that they're gonna Have for capacity uh Maybe yeah maybe that's maybe that's the deal Maybe it's gonna be Shingo and and uh, Abushi down the road I don't know and then you, you also kind of have to ask yourself, like, does this really hurt Osprey a lot? Because he won the New Japan Cup. That was supposed to be his elevation, but he sort of threw, like, a, a wet blanket on himself and his push with the B angle. You know, we don't have to get back into that, but obviously it didn't go over well. And then he loses again. It's like he kind of has a track record of losing in the big spot early on already right. as the leader of this group. But we do have a history of New Japan Cup winners kind of losing in that big moment, losing that big title match. We do, but it sort of feels like you're kind of, because you have this guy positioned as, like, the leader and, you know, a major commodity in the in the company, you sort of need to elevate him at some point. I mean, he's going to be an IWGP champion, if not now, at some point, is now the time to do it, you know? Right. Who does this... I, I, I'm just thinking about like the stocks and I'm like, who's on the rise? Who's on the way down? You know, who can eat the loss? Who can't business wise? What are they going to do for these next series of shows? Because this next month is super pivotal. And I, I don't know if the company should have put themselves in this kind of precarious position. I, I thought it made sense initially, but now that I'm like trying to think about like, well, who are they going to, who are they going to have fill these Fill these shows, you know, and, right. and draw these houses, and it, that's it's tough. This this match is super interesting. Yeah, super interesting. It's it's it goes way beyond just a build and stakes. 
there's a lot of big ram- ramifications that come from this match. Yeah, I would even say so. So far, this is the most important match in New Japan this year, um, by far, and uh, it might wind up being like one of the seminal, pivotal moments, pivotal matches from a business standpoint for New Japan for this whole year. Yeah. Uh, we have some other questions here. Kevin from D.C. says, There seems to be one aspect of the Osprey Challenge that I haven't really heard people talk about. Will Osprey is still the Rev Pro heavyweight champion? At this point, it feels like more like a trophy than a title since Rev Pro isn't running shows and Billy Goat can't defend the belt overseas. Honestly, I think it would be smart to put the belt on ice and not have him carry it around. That way, should he, should he actually win the World Heavyweight Championship on the 4th, <clears throat> excuse me, they can quietly strip him of the Rev Pro title and crown a new champion when they're ready to run shows again. It just seems like a red herring that they don't need to bring attention to. I'm pretty sure they are running events, though, right? Yeah, they were doing, I know, the, the, those, they, the, those Rev Pro um, series that were on Fight TV. Yeah, so they were doing epic encounters, um, and they have stuff on the docket for the rest of the year through 2020. They've got shows planned from June up until December, uh, running shows at the cockpit, uprising, Southampton, high stakes, nine year anniversary pop-up show. This stuff's all already on the calendar and been announced. And they were running a tournament, um, a number one contender tournament, right? Yeah. I don't want to spoil anything for anybody, but I think, uh, See bracket A, bracket B. So I don't think the tournament is over yet, but it looks like it's going to be Dan Maloney and Ricky Knight Jr. facing off for the winner of the SWE World Heavyweight title. And the deal is over in RevPro, whoever wins the SWE title, this is another promotion that they kind of absorbed in the recent past. Whoever is the final SWE champion, they're going to get a title shot against the reigning Repro champion, which is Will Ospreay. And they did this very smartly because after like the fourth or fifth uh, cock or um, epic encounter, epic encounter show, he kind of put the wheels in motion for them to do this tournament while he was in Japan. So they sort of knew and worked this out. And I'm guessing that the next, I don't know this to be the case, but it looks like they're not doing another Epic Encounters um, anytime soon that I can see. Or if they are, the next event that's announced is like June. So they're probably waiting to do the finals of this tournament, maybe in front of a crowd. And then that will build anticipation for whoever that champion is to face and unify with Will Ospreay. And that is, there is an aspect there. I, I would disagree with some of the things that Kevin from DC postulated. Um, but I think you'd kind of have to know some of the ongoings with RevPro to sort of know what's going on. But it is interesting to think, what if the one part that he brought up, are they going to put their world title on the RevPro champion? Right, because then he, eventually he's going to have to drop the belt. Right. Then you get a, a mock situation. Right, and it's not quite the same thing, but with the travel restrictions and everything, and who knows, maybe maybe stuff is opening up soon. Maybe that's the expectation, anticipation. But um, you know, you could have them 
walking around with both belts. And maybe that, I, I do think the fact that you have him um, holding that belt, carrying it out each night and representing Rev Pro keeps Rev Pro kind of relevant because right now they can't even run any shows at all. Right. So it wouldn't make sense to ha- have him stripped and for the title to sort of be held by anybody over there, Ricky Knight Jr. or who have you. or whoever, yeah. Because nobody's seeing that shit. So much so that, like, they stopped doing the pay-per-view model, started putting the shows up for free on YouTube when they air, and then and then it was, you know, per pay afterwards. But um, no, one's, no one's seeing it because everything shut down in England. Right. So um, I think it's good that he's holding it, but I just wonder... Is that that that's another thing to take into consideration? Like, are they gonna let? Are they gonna book him to be the world champion while he also is the British champion simultaneously? I mean, they could. I mean, it could, and it could be. You know, you have a lot of big shows between now and June. He could easily. We we talked about first champions having short reigns. He could easily drop the title before he has to drop the Red Pro title. And there's no, there's also no reason to think that he's going to for sure drop the title to whoever wins this tournament. You know what I mean? Right. They, it, it's probably going to be Ricky Knight Jr., who I think has beaten Will in the past. Um, he did beat him in a tag team match that was very good. So I'm guessing it'll probably be like him versus Ricky Knight Jr., but like, who's to say Ricky Knight Jr. beats him? You know? Right. So, uh, I mean, even if he could literally hold the world title, drop it, go over there, defend the British title, and still hold on to it. Because who do they have waiting in the wings to take the title from him? You know what I mean? Right. There's no huge stars there. You don't have a Walter or... Um, Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah. And, you know, guys like that. Like, those are the kinds of names that hold that Red Pro belt. Um, it's been a long time since they had it on an up and comer or, you know, a non-established indie star by, you know, even by European measures. Right. You don't, you don't have a, a Pete Dunn or a Tyler Bate. Yeah. So I don't think those guys have held it, but yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, he also asked, what are your early predictions for Coda's title defense at Dontaku? Should he retain the world heavyweight championship against Osprey? History would suggest Shingo Takagi, as the New Japan Cup runner-up, has gotten the Dantaku Challenge in recent eight years. Fale, Tanahashi, Sonata start the trend proper. But obviously, one has to consider the likes of Okada, Naito Suzuki, or others of that ilk. The Dome shows as well as Dominion are right around the corner after that, though, so it can't be too big of a challenge. Shingo it, it, Shingo it is then? That's a good question, and I think it's a little... Um you know, you're presuming that there's going to be a title defense at Dantaku. Right. And there might not be this year because of the fact that we've got this three big shows right behind it. This could be the April defense, Sakura Genesis, and that's it. I think that they're going to headline Dantaku maybe with Tanahashi and, and Jay for the and Never Jay title. For the Never title. And then the semi man will probably be the Never Six Man. Something like that. Yeah. I think there's a good chance Dantaku might not, <laughs> you know. Uh, it's Dantaku in name alone, but not an actual booking stature. Now, it, if 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 he does end up having a title defense, uh, I could see Shingo, but like that feels see like the Shingo thing is like I think it's a little too big for Dantaku, but a little too low for a or, dome show. Right. It's like in that in between place. I think it's perfect for like Dominion. Yeah, a show of like that nature. 
you know, and I'm kind of just thinking of locations at this point, you know. Um, I don't think you should do a stadium with them, even though I love those guys and I think the match is going to rule. If they do it, I, I don't see them selling that that many tickets off of it, you know? Yeah. Because Shingo's never challenged before. And they haven't always treated him like, you know, a world beater or a top, top, right. top guy um, on that level. So I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't think they're going to do a title defense on Taku. I think this is the Curry Genesis is going to be the April defense, and then we won't see a defense until May for their Wrestle Grand Slam. Schedule's been screwy this year. It's been really hard. It's it's deferred quite a bit from classical, you know. And, and when I say classical, I mean just the past, you know, five, six five years. years. Yeah. I mean, th- there was a time where New Japan's schedule changed drastically all the time. So, I mean, this is pretty New Japan in general, you know, this is kind of what they've done historically is, you know, switch things up year after year, depending on what their business needs are. Yeah. But I mean, I can't see Kota Ibushi winning and Shingo coming out to challenge him. Uh, Yeah. I mean, you could also do like if they're continuing, I don't know if they're going to be, but if they continued something between um, him and Empire, maybe like a Jeff Cobb. Yeah. Someone like that. Uh Obviously, the fact that Shingo is part of LIJ, and they were kind of alluding to an LIJ versus Ibushi continuation feud would indicate um, Shingo. Um, and like he said, you know, the the runner-up in the cup usually does get a title shot in May. So who knows? Maybe they do those two guys at the stadium. Yeah. Because maybe they're expecting that the stadium is going to be very limited. And if that's the case, then they could easily do it. You know, if you're going to do a Tokyo Dome, or I'm sorry, not Tokyo Dome, like a sumo hall level capacity, I think you can definitely draw that level of attendance with those two guys and a strong card underneath it. Yeah, I agree. You know, but but if they're trying to do 30, 40, 50, who, who knows how many, like thousand, then I don't think they should do it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, EMJ does PR ask when it's written well, Abushi's title reign narrative be about match quality or story quality? Hmm. That is an interesting question because for me, I think his matches have been outstanding, but they don't seem to be getting the critical acclaim that we're used to for other champions. You know, right? Um, I feel the whole double title and invocation is kind of overshadowed. Right. His title matches. Right. And at the same time, you know, this kind of reminds me of the discussion we had about the belt when we were saying, um, you know, that there was this criticism that, like, it's understated and overstated all at the same time. You know, it's it's doing the wrong things and not doing the right things, you know. Um, and maybe that's kind of similar to the situation with Ibushi because it's like, there are stories and narratives that are going on, but they have very little to do with the actual story of him and his character and his motivations and the personal heated rivalries with him and his opponents, you know? Like, he's had opponents and he's had good matches, you know, Sonata, um, Jay, White. Jay White, Desperado, um, freaking Naito, but none of them were definitive Feuds, you know what I mean? Right. They were always, it was always about the actual titles themselves and very little having to do with Ibushi as a man 
or as a character. I mean, the most we got out of it was that he wanted to be God, and no one knows what the fuck that means. Right, and then he wanted to unify the titles. <laughs> yeah, and then he wanted to unify the titles, and then he did. And so, like, there is a narrative, but it's, like, not defining him. It's defining itself, and he just happens to kind of be playing a role in the midst of it all. You know what I mean? Right. Which kind of sucks. Yeah, I feel like, at the end of the day, his, his title reign is going to just be overshadowed with, just the whole the ending of the the IWGB title, I think, is going to be what his title is remembered for. That's possible, but then you know the argument that people will come up with is the other side of the question that he's asking is people will be like, "Well, he had great matches," you know. They're going to say, "Well, he had an incredible match with, uh, you know, Naito the first night at the Dome. He had an incredible match with Jay White. He had really, really, you know, the match with Sonata was very good." match with Desperado exceeded expectations. The match, the rematch with the Naito, title match. Yeah. They're going to be able to point to these really great performances that he had and say, well, it wasn't all bogged down. He was going out there and performing and like killing it. But then you kind of be like, well, was that all it was about? So I think it's a tough question to answer because I don't know if it's going to be remembered just based off the match quality. Cause even though the matches have been very good, they don't seem to have gotten the kind of acclaim and praise. No, because people are so down overall. On the product. Yeah. And it doesn't make sense because if you think about it, if you compare this title reign to Naito's and to Evil's, better. it's way better. Um, maybe not from a story standpoint, but from a match quality standpoint, I mean, it, it blows them away. And then, and then if you look at the overall match quality of the promotion so far this year, I still think New Japan it's, is it's very good. It's like the top promotion in in-ring quality still. Yeah, it, it is. Um, the last time you had a champion that was having this many good matches was Okada before he dropped the title to Naito. And what was that, 2019? Was that 20? You're talking about when he dropped? When he dropped the title the, to the double titles. The double titles. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Or 2020. Yeah, but I'm saying his last match, yeah, before that. Really, 2019 was when he held, like, we haven't had good matches like this since, like, the end of 2019. Right, yeah. So, you know, we're going in, we're going on over a year now. Right. So it's, it's tough. Like, he's not, I don't think he's getting the credit for the work he's doing, and I don't think he's getting the right creative direction that is kind of needed for his character as well. And I think he's actually done a really great job making the most out of what has been given to him to the best of his abilities. Um, because with a lesser talent, given how bad some of these creative directions and bookings have actually been, it could have been way worse. Right. I think he's doing a good job. I, I just don't think that he's getting the kind of support necessary to really elevate this title run. Yeah, there's so many just outside factors that have nothing, like you mentioned, nothing, nothing to do with him. That are kind of just contributing to people just kind of being down on him in his title run. That's a great question, um, MJ does PR. I, I don't know how to really answer it. I think it's a little of both. Yeah. Uh, King Darkwing five ten asks. It seems like Okada is the next possible challenger for the world title, but he doesn't like the belt and only wants the IWGP Heavyweight Title. So is he going to try and break the belts back up, or how do you guys think that will make sense out of all this? It would be. Infinitely, it would be so fucking stupid if they, at this point, decided to split the belts back up. And, you know, I mean, why would you have spent 
at minimum $10,000, but probably closer to like 25, 30,000, maybe not that much, but like they, they're probably in the 20, 25 K range for what they spent on that belt. <laughs> yeah. Why would you have gone through all these story elements, this ceremony, all these tweets, you know, um, just all the hoopla and then the actual cost of, of, you know, um, creating the belt if you don't intend that to go forward with it, I'm pretty positive. I know there's people who don't like this, you know, what they've done. But at this point, it's... What's, mat- done, what's done is done. It, well, yeah, what's done is done. It's a matter of either acceptance or, or you know... This, well, this is not Avengers Endgame. There's no reversing the snap here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, it's done, bro. Like, it's done. Like There ain't no time machine. And, you know, like, I wouldn't really... I, I wouldn't respect... I already kind of don't respect that they did this, but if they decided to walk back on it now... That'd be horrible. It'd be wor- way it'd worse. It'd be way worse. Yeah. I, w- I would be like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Like, make your fucking mind <laughs> up. God. I would be fine if they were just like, we're going to incorporate the lineage. Right. That part I'd be fine with because it makes logical sense. But they're like, Okada's like, I'm saving everybody, you know? I'm going to bring back the double titles. And it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> what the hell are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah. That wouldn't make sense. So um, they're never also like, just think about what the lineages would look like. There'd be like, okay, so there was two titles, but then there was double, but then they, but then there's this little asterisk where it's like briefly they were defunct and a new belt was created, but then reinstated. But then it was defuncted again when, you know, Okada won it, and then he reinstated, and then now the re, the lineages are reinforced. Like, it, it just wouldn't make sense. It, like, it, yeah. Oh, God, I would hate that. That would be horrible. Yeah, they should not do that. I'm sorry. I, I know I know people love the white belt and the, the, the version 4 belt, but it's done. Yeah. It's gone. Uh, we have a question that just came in from Reddit user underscore stress underscore. It says, hi, guys. Barely a question, but this unification saga has got me thinking is there any chance this Ibushi run is a slow burn heel turn? Started with how he treated Tanahashi for losing matches in the Golden Aces, becoming God to now unifying the titles, and essentially be- beginning a new era of the NJPW molded in his image with his new belt. In storyline, it seems he has deliberately isolated himself from other wrestlers, what with the unification idea being so unpopular amongst the roster and the company's two biggest heels, White and Osprey, being the only ones to agree with him. I mean, for a certain angle, Abushi is on the road to becoming a power mat, a power mat heel. Yeah, we all thought Kenny was pro wrestling Sanos, but Abushi out here fucking shit up with the Reality Stone. Click the IWB, IWB heavyweight lineage away faster than a ref bump in an evil match. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's exactly what you just said, bro. When you're talking about like undoing the click, yeah, this is completely fantasy booking on my end, but I can't shake the feeling, even unintentionally, they might have booked themselves into this spot. Are fans going to cheer Ibushi over Okada when they fight again? You know, Okada going to be looking to restore his lineage, his belt, his NJPW. Uh, I mean, he can't, though. That's the thing. I I know that there's people who are, like, pining for a restoration, but there's not going to be a restoration. I mean, I think if you're uh, – one of two things will happen, right? If um, – let's say Okada – And him do feud and the whole angle is I'm going to restore it, you know, the one of two things is going to happen. Either that's a dead ass giveaway that he's not winning. Right. It's going to be similar to the Naito thing where he won't try to restore the IC title. Right. Or 
this will be similar to like when Rob Van Dam was challenging for the WWE title and he said, when I win it, I'm going to change it to the ECW title. Right. And then when he won it, he didn't end up doing that. They did something else. So what would happen is Okada wins it, tells everybody he's going to restore the lineage. And then when he wins it, come up with some other BS reason why he's not actually going to end up doing something that. like, you know, Abushi made me get respect for this bell or something like that. We're about know. progress here. Looking forward. This is a new prize, new horizons for me, you know, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to make this as prestigious. You know, it's still the IWGP title and spirit, you know, even though it has a different name and a different design, blah, 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 something like that. Right. So, um, no, they're, they're not gonna now, one thing that he touched on, something I've been wanting to say on the show for a few weeks now, and this was not my original thought. This was something that, um, so I've been behind on podcasts for a while now, and I've kind of been catching up. And so I was listening to episodes of Thomas Island from last year, and they started kind of touching on the idea. Did I bring this? I'm yeah, right. we talked about this off the air. Oh, yeah. Okay, we talked about this off the air. I didn't know if I brought this up on the air last year or last week, but... um. He talked about how last year during the G1 that he kind of thought that Ibushi was doing heel shit. And that's kind of when the God stuff really kind of came into, like, focus. And, you know, his co-host Ross was saying the same thing. And, like, very recently there's been talks of, like, is Ibushi leaning towards a heeldom with the God talk and you know, kind of making himself a uh, a target because he took these two beloved titles and unified them and recreated them in his image, you know, as a quote-unquote god, you know, and has kind of, um, like you said, isolated himself from the rest of the roster. I mean, even though he's Hontai, like, I think we kind of imagined that when he rose up, he would sort of, like, take over for Tanahashi and be like, the lead focal guy. Right. But it doesn't feel like that. He is leading, but he's not leading from a stance of like, let's go get him guys. And he's coming out with the gang and Gucci <laughs> Japan and everything. It's like, he's kind of doing his own thing and he, he's feeling very isolated. Um, and it's just interesting that like over a year ago during the G one, like Tam and those guys were already kind of pointing it out. And I didn't notice it back then. But, like, recently, I, I do think I said this on the show, where, like, during that uh, um, New Japan Cup final, during that match where he was, like, at the table and he was, like, talking to Shingo, he came off, like, a heel to me. And everyone else, like, thought it was, like, this moment where he was, like, inspiring him and telling him to get up and go back in there and fight. And I thought he was taunting him the way he did it. Like, it, there was plausible deniability because the words he was saying sounded encouraging but the look on his face and the dismissiveness the cockiness the right. arrogance it like, look at you you're you're down yeah. right now yeah. yeah like dude if you want to do this you better get up you know right i don't know man like like you're blowing it right now i am wondering if there is a long-term story where abushi is going down a dark path and it's been brewing since like the g1 last year maybe even like earlier than that you know yeah um and so i'm kind of wondering about that like i've got my eye on it and i want to put it out there like it's not my original idea there's a lot of people who are saying this but i think it's sort of one of those like wishful thinking things but i'm seeing the like little tea leaves yeah yeah yeah, i'm seeing it out there yeah i mean it could happen um 
and it would be something new for him, and then get some fresh matchups. You can do that. That Tanahashi match makes a little bit more sense of him. Babushi's a heel. Um, I I wouldn't necessarily like it if he's just kind of a tweener or a guy that's heel leaning. Like you know, I don't want him to do the Bret Hart bulldog thing where they're both faces, but for the sake of the match, he's gonna lean heel. You know? Yeah. I would rather if he's gonna go that way, and that's the story. Go full out, you know. Turn, start a faction, fuck people up, you know. Bushi goon, yeah. Be a heel, you know, <laughs> shit like that. Um, I would prefer that, but uh, I don't know that that's what's gonna happen. Yeah. Well, that is our preview and our prediction. Well, who do you think's winning? Uh, we didn't say uh, who we finally thought was gonna win this match. Uh, I'm going to Bushi. I am gonna go. I'm gonna go Bushi too. I I originally thought it was gonna be Will. I could. I'm like fifty fifty on this for real. Like I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if either man wins. But I just I just have this picture of Shingo walking out and challenging Ibushi right now. If it's Will, who who do you think would be like his next challenger? Uh, I think you go Okada. He hasn't been doing anything really. He's been kind of treading water. I think with X. And the way they like to book tragedies and Okada sort of like not doing anything and they need they probably need him to sell tickets for these domes. I think I I, I think you kinda convinced me. I think I'm going Will. All right. So Isn't uh, I don't know what to do, man. Fifty fifty split it's here. Fifty fifty. <laughs> this is a this is a big one. Yeah, it is. God, if anyone fucking spoils me, I swear to God. <laughs> Stay out of the spoiler club, man. Yeah, and it's on Easter Sunday. I, I think I got shit to do that day. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not gonna be able to watch it until Sometime in the afternoon. Uh, so real quick, we got to talk about what's going on in New Japan Strong. We had a Strong Style Evolve kind of wrap up this week with two more qualifying matches for the New Japan Cup USA 2021. We had Clark Connors and kind of a surprise upset here, defeating the great TJP, his former tag <laughs> team partner. And did you see any of this? I did, yes. I did watch Strong. This was a really good match. I, I popped for uh, Connors. Uh, getting the win here over TJP. Yeah, uh, I was pretty convinced TJP was going to win just based on uh, the match itself. I, I thought it was 50-50, but at the very, very end, he got him in that, uh, I don't know, what is that, that figure four knee bar pretty much? I don't know what he calls it. Yeah, I don't know what he calls it either, but yeah. He probably calls it the game over, just like three other people <laughs> have had that same game over. But anyways, um, I thought he had Clark Connors like beat, and then Clark was able to, you know, finagle it into a roll-up and get the one, two, three, and I was like, oh, that's pretty cool you know yeah that, that was great to see there great upset win there for clark then yeah, we fuck you tjp <laughs> uh then we had uh nxt's uh blake christian being defeated by chris dickinson from team filthy an interesting thing here uh at the beginning of the show they had um team filthy kind of backstage segment they were all kind of making fun of each other for some of the losses they had and uh they were making fun of Dickinson for losing to Narita a couple weeks ago, and Dickinson and Lawler kind of had some attention there. Yeah, and obviously this is a New Japan Cup USA qualifying match. Both of those guys are, you know, um, major members of Team Filthy. So, you know, the, the implication there is if Dickinson gets through, they're going to be potential opponents down the line. And this, this kind of group is an amalgamation of various personalities who share similarities based off of, you know, um, I, I guess like similar fighting style and similar goals, but they don't seem to be buddy, buddy, like not close, tight knit. Yeah. Like it's essentially a group of mercenaries who've all teamed up and 
they're a pack of wolves and like any one of them could turn on one another at any point in time. And we're starting to already see that immediately, you know, right. There were some digs at Limelight for being a Daly's place. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he was complaining about not being in the tournament. Like, well, brother, to get in, you got to qualify. And to qualify, those qualifying matches aren't over in Jacksonville. Jacksonville yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so Chris Dickinson beat uh, Blake Christian there to qualify. Um, oh, and this, you know, Blake Christensen signed with WWE, so it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. This is his exit, most likely, from New Japan, New Japan Strong. Um End of this match, Dickinson hit him with this crazy looking pile driver. Like, yeah, he had like the leg like pulled back. Yeah, that was some crazy shit. This match was pretty good, but like that finish was awesome. Yeah. Um, then we had a tag main event here of David Finley and Carl Fredericks defeating Dane Limelight and Tom Waller of Team Filthy. Seventeen minutes and thirty seconds. That's how long this match went. Yep. Bro, I don't remember it going that long, but that's way too long. <laughs> I I remember that. I think I thought the match was very good, but that seems like really long for New Japan Strong. I don't know. I I don't remember much from the match. I just remember thinking it was good. Yeah, well, I think because the two qualifiers were pretty short, they went a little bit longer here on the main event. I've and... been paying more attention to the qualifiers because that has more you know implication for me. But uh. Yeah, I mean, Finley and Carl Fredericks, they pick up a big win here. Um, you know, it's a, it's a blow for Team Filthy. Yeah. And so next week we'll have Rocky Romero versus Kevin Knight, TJP and Alice Coughlin versus Mysterioso and Jordan Clearwater, and then the main event will be Brody King and the Regal Twins taking on Team Filthy's Tom Waller, Chris Dickinson, and J.R. Kratos. Yeah, um, big the, implications here because, uh, you know, coming up, with the brackets, Brody King and Chris Dickinson will be facing off against one another. But there's also the question, can Team Filthy, can they coexist? <laughs> right. Because there's tension due to the fact that, you know, Tom Lawler and Chris Dickinson are both in the tournament, you know, simultaneously. Right. And then the tournament will be starting the week after. we got the brackets here. So on the left side, we got... I really like these brackets. Yeah, it's, it's looks like a pretty good, good little tournament here. we got, we got Clark Connors versus Leo Rush. And Brody King versus Chris Dickinson on the left side. On the right side of the bracket, we have Ren Narita versus Tom Waller and Hikaleo versus Fred Rosser. Yeah, um, so I guess, you know, um, we could probably go through this just briefly. Uh, there's a lot of different scenarios for how this could all turn out. Um, I think one of the dark horse things that I'm kind of considering is Ren Narita. Mm. Because of the fact that He's graduated, and they've made it very clear he's graduated, and he's picked up big wins in subsequent weeks over Bateman and over Chris Dickinson, and I think he beat, was just those Mysterioso. two Mysterioso. Uh, pretty clean, all three of them. And he's got Tom Lawler first off right away. So that's a big match in my estimation because it's like, on the one hand, I could see Narita beating him, Especially, and I think that the um, the tension with Team Filthy is going to play a role. So, if Tom Waller wins, obviously, I think that they're going to continue his story throughout the tournament, right? Or if he lost, that could be the catalyst for his loss. Is this ongoing tension, and then they continue that story outside of the right? Tournament. Especially since he he was making fun of Dickinson for losing to Narita. It would kind of put egg on his face for losing to Narita, and then Dickinson could be like, "Mm, look who lost now." I didn't even really think of that, to be honest with you. Like, <laughs> uh, but there is that 
there is that further implication. So um, I think I think a lot of people have Tom Waller going through probably to the finals, but I'm just thinking like you did a lot of work to build up Narita over those two two guys. Are you doing it just to feed him to Lawler? You know, is that the point? Or, you know, are there their intentions with Narita? Are they, are they deeper than that? And it feels more New Japan to me for them to actually continue to let him get wins. Yeah. And I feel like the tension might be a way for them to get Tom Waller out of there. Yeah, I, I could see. I have Narita going into that, that second round, and I have him going up against Hikaleo. You do, yeah. Because okay, uh, I thought for some reason I thought you had Tom Waller going through. I got, yeah, I got Narita Hikaleo. Uh, I think Hikaleo's going to get revenge over Fred Rosser, who cheated to beat him. Yeah, that one, that one. There's a good little story there, but I don't see Fred Rosser getting through. He cheated as a face to beat Hikaleo in the previous match, so I think Hikaleo's going through. Um, and I think that one's a pretty pretty solid bet. So he's, I think he's either facing Tom Waller or Ren Narita. I agree with you. I think it's going to be him and Narita. Um, and I've done pretty good on these tournaments this year. So Yeah, you have. Uh, top of the, the bracket, we got Clark Connors and Leo Rush. And then um, on the bottom left, Brody King and Chris Dickinson. These ones, to me, are a little harder to call, I think. Yeah, I, I'm going with Leo Rush just because he, he got knocked out the first round of the new or the uh, Super J Cup. Or best Super Juniors, whatever they did um, in, here in America, Super J Cup. And so I don't think you want to knock him out again in a tournament first round. So I would have him go through. Um, I, I agree. I think he could handle the loss and he'd be fine because I don't know what kind of commitment New Japan has really made to him and he's made to them, you know, back to back. Clark Connors did just come off of a big win over TJP. I could see him being like the little engine that could in the tournament. Mm-hmm. But it would make sense for Leo Rush to win. My my thinking though is if Leo Rush is going to lose, why not have him lose and build up Clark? You know, versus him picking up the win and then he gets fed to like Dickinson or King. I don't know. It's a tough one for me. Um, I think I am going to go Leo Rush in this one, but I I'm not as solid on it as I think you are. Yeah. Um, between King and Dickinson, uh, I'm thinking Brody King is going to get the win here. That's a that's a big one. Uh, this one's tough because I'm not really sure. Ultimately, I mean, we're assuming that the winner is going to face Mox, yeah. John Moxley, and I'm just not sure who that guy is going to be. One feeling I have is Chris, him and Chris Dickinson have worked together before. Brody King is from ROH. Chris Dickinson is from, you know, GCW and pretty much, you know, New Japan Strong USA at this point. I'm thinking Chris Dickinson beats Brody King. I think there's uh, a little bit more of a story there. And I, I, I'm assuming that Brody King versus Chris Dickinson is like the deciding side of the bracket. Whoever wins this match is probably going to the finals. Yeah. So I've got Chris Dickinson going through personally because I just think that there's too much of a, um, probably like a little bit of a conflict when it comes to like politics possibly for Brody King to get through. Yeah. And plus it could, it could make sense if they're doing the whole story of Dickinson gets through and Lawler doesn't. Or, well, it, I think it works on both levels because I think if Lawler gets through and Dickinson gets through, you got an all team filthy final, or you could have the Narita Dickinson rematch. Mm. 
you know, yeah. possibly. And then from there, for, for my final initially, I'm thinking Brody King and Hikaleo. Um, oh, wow. So you've got the two big bruisers going back to back. Yeah. Um, hey, that's a way you could really go. Um, I don't know if I'd have Hikaleo win the whole thing, but I mean, that's a... That, You've got three guys that you could really elevate in this tournament in a big way. Clark Connors, Renarita, and Hikaleo. I'm most bearish on Hikaleo at this point. Um, not because I, I don't believe in the guy. I, I think he's great, but uh I just don't I haven't seen that they're pushing him like that personally. Yeah, I, I would have uh Brody King win win it all. No, I mean even to get to a final. Mm. But um it's not that's the great thing. Like the only guy that I couldn't see making it to the final is Fred Rosser. Yeah. I could literally see any of the other seven individuals in this tournament actually making it to the finals. Right. Pretty much everybody in this tournament has been pushed or protected in some way. Well, let me ask you this. Um, I, we're both out on Fred Rosser. Hickaleo, you can see him as a finalist. Well, we've already agreed all seven of these guys we can see as finalists. Could you see him facing Mox? No. Okay, I, I'm pretty much agreeing with that. Uh, Tom Lawler. Yes. Okay, Ren Narita. No. Really? I think Ren Narita could be the guy who wins this whole tournament. Really? Why not? They they had him beat Bateman. They had him beat uh, Dickinson. They had him beat... Th- th- those three wins back to back to back are all big wins. Yeah. That kind of makes me feel... I actually could see a situation where it's Clark Connors and Renarita in the finals, all LA Dojo final. That could be cool. I could see that happening, you know? Um, I was thinking if you're going to promote another Mox match on Strong, is Mox versus Narita going to draw? Well, is it going to draw... I mean, the thing is, I think with with... Any of these guys, I don't see a really super, super marketable match. Yeah. I do see names that are bigger than Narita's for sure. But I think Mox on his own, the fact that he's going to be on there defending against the New Japan Cup USA winner, no matter who it is, that's going to be enough. Big enough. Yeah. Yeah. And I think if you're trying to elevate a guy like Narita, that's a great way to do it. You know? Yeah. Um, I'm going to disagree. I think I could see Narita being the challenger. Okay. Um. I don't think Clark Connors can win this. No. But I could see him as a finalist. Yeah. And um, I don't think I could see Leo Rush winning either. I don't see him winning, but I could see the marketability of Leo Rush versus John Moxley. I do. Those names do work together. Um, I just don't know if New Japan's going to go that way, you know? Right. But I could see, I could easily see. Um, Politics aside, Brody King and Mox, that's a great match. That makes sense. And I think him and Chris Dickinson makes all the sense in the world, too. Yeah. So this one's actually, like, for me, this is, like, the toughest tournament we've had to call. Uh, and there's not even that many people in it, you know? Right. There's so many ways that can go here. You're pretty, but you're you're pretty dead set. It's Brody King, Hikaleo. I don't know. That's what I'm just feeling. I, I, have a, I don't think Narita's going to get through Hikaleo. I think it's going to be Narita... Chris Dickinson mm. And I might I think Chris Dickinson At that it's 50-50 I could see Narita beating him again Or I could see Chris Dickinson Getting, getting, the, revenge, up, getting yeah. the win And then um, And then you've kind of got yourself a little TV Story 
similar to what they used they used to do this in um studio wrestling you know you have bad guy a bad guy b and bad guy a is going to get a shot at the traveling world champion bad guy b wants that shot and he's jealous and he costs bad guy a when he faces the outside champion thus turning the bad guy into a baby face and you know because now he's been betrayed and now he's been um you know uh turned into like a tragic figure i think i could see chris dickinson getting turned baby out of this whole thing and after he loses his shot at mox mox is gone with the belt now you've got a built-in feud and rivalry that is pretty captivating and would produce really good matches in Team Filthy versus Chris Dickinson. Right. And they did mention on the preview on New Japan's website of Dickinson and Brody King forming that faction in Ring of Honor, how there might be some conflict of interest between both those guys and their matchup. So they are acknowledging that. So that could be part of the plan to yeah, turn. And, Dick- and you got to wonder, too, like, did did they know they were going to do that? Because this was pre-taped. So ha- has that been factored in? via the um, commentary and the way they worked the match, or is it sort of a retcon? Maybe this was a, uh, you know, maybe them joining up in ROH was a new thing, and, you know, they didn't know that they'd they'd be joining up together back then. Yeah. Uh, King Darkwing 510 asked, do you guys know if Shibata has more of a hand in booking strong now? It seems like the philosophy has been more traditionally straight up wrestling lately than what's going on in Japan. I don't really know who books strong. Yeah, we haven't really heard who who's in charge there. I mean, also we know Rocky has a big hand in booking the talent and kind of being. I'm sure like nothing happens without going through Gato. I'm assuming. You right. know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, I think it. I think there's in all likelihood there's probably. I wouldn't assume that um, Shibata never had a hand in it. I, this has pretty much been his pet project and passion project from day one. I'm pretty sure he's been involved in the booking, like, literally since uh, Strong Style. What was the first name of the show? Um, the... Fighting Spirit Unleashed? Yeah, or Lions Break. Lions Break Collision. Collision, yeah. Yeah, so I think it's probably been him, Rocky, Obari, other members of management. I'm sure it's like a little committee. Yeah. And I'm sure that they talk to Gato. Yeah. I'm, I'm just, you know, using... Using my deduction skills. Uh, BJ Baker says, make a trade. One guy from a strong roster to do a tour in Japan who isn't one of the guys that currently works both for a member of Japan roster to come do a set of tapings. His trade would be Dickinson to Japan for Nagata to Strong. Nagata to Strong is a good move. Um, a really good move because some of those you know, older talents who can still go, you put them in a... Um, in an outside environment and they kind of thrive, you know, especially if they have a big name and everything like that. I'm not sure who I'd go with uh, for this. What are you thinking? I would do uh, Dickinson for Kojima. I think having Kojima on strong could be pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, his name came up when I was, you know, obviously you think of Nagata and when you think of Nagata, you think of the, the other dad who's sort of, you know, in that realm. That's a possibility. I'm I'm thinking too. We have to um, make a trade for someone from the New Japan roster that hasn't regularly or at all worked strong, right? Right. 
Ooh, this is a tough one. Well, I'm going to throw out a different name than the two that I, I think your choice was really good, but I, just to keep it interesting, I need to throw out someone else. So looking at the, I'm looking at the uh, group of guys that are with strong, uh, you know, it's funny. They don't have everybody on here. I'm looking at the Wikipedia page. They don't have everybody because I'm sure they're probably thinking like, for instance, like, Tom Lawler, like, he's not on here, but it's probably because he's, like, tied to, like, MLW. Right. Um, if I were to make a trade, God, this is a tough question. You know, Chris Dickinson's, like, the easiest guy to take from Strong and just insert right into Japan. And, I mean, like, he's tailor-made. Um, do the L.A. Lions work because they've been to Japan and worked tours. Um yeah, that's a tough one. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead, you know what? I'm going to just go ahead and I'll throw out the other name. Um let's bring Bateman over. Mm. Okay, cuz that's someone who I haven't really gotten a chance to express it on the show, but I really like Bateman a lot. It, I I'd seen him in the past Never, I, I thought he was a good wrestler. Never been super impressed. Um, there, I just thought that there's something missing. But lately, his character work, his promos, uh, he he's out of this world. Like I don't know that he fits in with the strong style and the you know the house style of New Japan. But like, bro, I'm sure they can find something for this guy. He's like captivating. Yeah, I think he's awesome. So I would trade Bateman. For hmm, man, this is a tough one. Maybe Zack Saber Junior. Hmm, could be good. He hasn't worked any of that stuff. Yeah, Saber would be a good guy for some of those young guys to work with. Oh, you know they do have Tom Waller, but they've got him listed elsewhere. Uh, yeah, I think that would be my pick. Um. Yep. Bring. I mean, you could always do Suzuki too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's not the the best trade in the world, but that's the one I'm making. So. <laughs> uh, next question from at MMA IPOM on Twitter. Post pandemic, what do you see NJPW doing with the U.S. title? Uh, we've kind of touched on this, but I I just assume it's going to um. Eventually. Be on somebody that works new like New Japan tours pretty regularly, and I think it's pretty much going to be similar to what we're having right now, except for the big difference is it's on someone who is stuck in the U.S. who isn't making tours for Japan. But down the road, I'm sure it's going to be headlining shows or featured prominently on major shows in Japan. Right, and then maybe once a quarter, the champion will go back and do a, a set of tapings and defend it in the U.S. Right, and also there's still plans to do big U.S. shows. Obviously, Mox can't be the champ on a Wrestle Dynasty kind of thing, but I'm sure eventually, like you mean, they'll put it on somebody that could yeah. do big events. To protect him, you're going to need to have someone with a big name beat him. You know, think of like, for instance, Jay White. You know, yeah. someone like that. Uh, I don't know who exactly, but it's going to be a big name. It's going to be someone that's prominent. That can, you know, Jay White's like the perfect guy if you think about it. He lives here in Florida. He lives here in Tampa. Yeah. 
And he goes back and forth and he could like defend it prominently on the shows in Japan, come back to the taping, you know, eventually drop it to somebody like that's kind of the perfect guy. Um, so who knows? Yeah. All right. Let's uh, run through these other questions here real quick and get to recommended match of the week. Oh, one thing um, we didn't have much in the news, but I did want to throw this out there. So the um, ROH anniversary show uh, just happened this past weekend. One important piece of uh, noteworthy news: Rocky Romero did the, the commentary, commentary. That's right. Yeah, he on did that show. And you know, a lot of people have been wondering about the relationship between Ring of Honor and New Japan. Is it still ongoing? What's the strength of it? This doesn't tell us a lot, but it is a. It is a nice little indicator that there is still ongoing work between the two groups. Right. Uh, question from Rising Falcons. He asks, uh, do you think NJPW being too traditional might be bad? By, by traditional, I mean not thinking outside the box sometimes. Instead of having a filler title match that you know who the winner is from a mile away, why don't you just have a triple threat or a fatal four-way to spice up a predictable match? Instead, they insist on having a singles match for the top belt. Um, no, I, I really disagree with this quite a bit. Um, personally, just cause I generally think triple threat matches are pretty bad. Um, fatal four ways oftentimes worse. So from a quality standpoint, I would disagree. I also think the fact that most, not all, but most challengers who get a shot have to like really be high up in the rankings and the standings to even get an opportunity. You know, it's one of the things that lends prestige to the title and so i feel like if you're just willy-nilly doing multi-man matches it devalues the championship um you know and that's that's not to say that if they ever did one it's you know oh god the turn you know they've done them before but the fact that they don't regularly happen um i think is is a good thing personally yeah i I agree also i think you just get, end up getting a better quality and a better story out of a one-on-one, straight-up one-on-one match for your world title than a triple threat or fatal four-way. And it hasn't happened recently, but there have been times in the past where there have been shocking upsets and, you know, times where people called it a foregone conclusion for a title challenger to win, and then they ended up shocking everybody. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like that's never, ever happened. Um, I, I But you know what? The company can be too predictable predictable at some times. So I do understand where you're coming from here. Yeah. Uh, next set of questions come from Viking Pain. First, he asks, have you guys watched ROH recently? I really enjoyed their 19th anniversary show and think they're really putting on a, putting a lot of time and resources to fix their product, and it's showing. Um, yeah, I thought I saw some of the show. I know a lot of people were really into it. I think the fact that they're completely silent, empty arena shows at this point for me is kind of a... It's hard to get into. It's hard for me to get into it. Like, I started watching that Mexa Squad match, and I turned it off. And it's not because it wasn't good. I just... That that kind of match really needs... A hot crowd, yeah. It needs a crowd or a response of some sort. I'd rather them just pipe in noise, kind of like what MLW does. I think that helps. Yeah. Uh, they the, the production does look good. They are working hard, but like it's hard for me to invest in the company on any real level at this point right Right. now. Right. I mean, we've kind of been seeing so many hits and misses with ROH. It's just a lack of narrative is part of it. But like when they did that tight, when they did the, the pure tournament, it was easy because there was backstory uh, videos. 
Yeah. There's there's very well, little of that right now. Well, they've been doing some of the backstory. I watched some episode of, of ROH TV a few weeks ago, and they were. Oh, okay. I haven't were, watched the TV. I only watched that 19th anniversary. They show. did some of the, the the promo stuff for the opening match, and you know you got the storyline with the whole the foundation they're doing, and now this new faction with Brody King and uh, LFI, and so. I'm not trying to be completely down. I see I see some of those things, and this is a huge improvement over where they were, you know, like, say, a year ago or whatever. Yeah. You know? I think the problem for them is always is going to be distribution. Like, until they get an actual major TV deal, they're always going to kind of be the redheaded stepchild. Kind of, yeah. Um, also asked, with the retirement of the IC title and the Never title being elevated, do you guys think that the KOPW title will slowly start to become a more of a serious thing going forward? Perhaps tossing the goofy trophy in the trash and introducing a new title belt would give it more serious feel. I don't know. It's still a gimmick at the end of the day, you know, sort of like what we discussed when we talked about the original IWGP concept. It was a a title that you won once and then you defended it annually once. And it was sort of like not a real thing. And that was like the top title. And I mean, literally from 83 to 87, there was no regularly defended world title in New Japan. Think about that. It's kind yeah. of strange. So it's like, even if they did that, it's still kind of a weird gimmick. Like, I'd much rather prefer that they just, you know, because the, the deal is you're not the champion until you're the final guy. Sta- you're the king of the mountain at the end of the year. And then you, you know. Then it starts over. <laughs> then it starts over, like, almost immediately. So I, I, I don't know. I don't give a fuck about that thing. I hate it. I don't yeah, I don't think there's any salvaging it at this point. It just needs to kind of go away. Yeah. Um he's next question he says a while back NXT legend Shinsuke Nakamura refuted rumors of him being simply happy to surf in Florida and working a softer style in the WWE as being untrue. Maybe there's trouble in paradise. Is there a Nakamura return in the cards and will he unretire the IC title if he comes back? Oh, um <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's kind of funny. There's always been this, like, fan narrative. Like, you know, he's there. He's working a safer style, protecting his body. He's retiring. Love surfing. Yeah. I, you know who I think? Everyone's like, I don't know where that came from. I know where it came from. Hmm. You know, you, you don't know who postulated this entire theory and, like, kind of put this stuff out there into the, like, into the outer realm? Yeah. Dave Meltzer. Mm. He's the one who was like, he's like, yeah, he's like, this guy... You know, if he was working in New Japan, the, the more dangerous style, he wouldn't have been able to keep up. You know, he took the payday, come here. You know, he likes to surf, hang out. Like, I've, these are things I've heard him say. Yeah. And it and then it got repeated so many times now. And I've, I haven't heard him say it recently, but now people don't, people are wondering where it came from. It came from him. That's true, yeah. I got a long memory, bro. <laughs> I'm telling you. Um, but, yeah, it, it was funny for him to kind of be like, yeah, don't assume I'm happy. Right. You know? A lot of people are pretty. Now that there's multiple places to work, people, people are people getting brave. People brave out here. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, um, I would love if Shinsuke Nakamura came back. I don't know if he would want to. I mean, his family live. We've talked about this in the show so many times. Like, I don't know. I could see him working, and literally anywhere else too. Yeah, you know, I could see him working ROH or Impact or AEW. All yeah. those things I could actually see at this point. Yeah, he spent so much time establishing his life in the States. Yeah, maybe I could see him more and stay here. But also, I mean, if he did come back to Japan, he might not. He might just do like what Kenta does. You know, Kenta came here and he didn't move back to Japan. He still lives stateside. That's true. Yeah. So, So, I mean, maybe Shinsuke would go back and, you know, work tours and do stuff like that if he came back to New Japan. I don't know. 
Yeah, but I don't think he will unretire the IC title. That's 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 dead. Yeah, people really want these. People <laughs> are like, it's like um, you have like a relationship and it ends, and you're like holding out hope that may like you don't want to. You haven't accepted. Right. Like maybe she'll call me back tomorrow. Yeah, maybe she'll call me back. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, his last question. You, you guys, you guys, you guys got broken hearts. I feel for you. I understand. You're going through a tough time. Do what do what's best for you, you know? Take some time, work out, you know, spend some time with friends. Get a good support system around you, you know. But also understand that like those titles are gone and they're they're not coming back. There you go. Gone forever. They're gone. Uh, his last question, big fight question for you guys. YouTube star, YouTube superstar Logan Paul versus MMA legend CM Punk in a boxing match. Who you got and why? Will Logan dominate the fight like he did against Nate Robinson? Or is his arms just too short to box of God? Also, are you guys planning to watch the Ben Askren, Jake Paul fight? <laughs> um, yeah, Jake Logan would fuck up CM Punk. <laughs> 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 like, I, I hey, I love... CM Punk and um, I I really like appreciate that he went out there and tried something that you know in his older age maybe he wasn't like fully uh, you know physically capable of doing to his best efforts you know I'm going through something similar myself <laughs> so I get it you know he was brave enough to go out there and try and live his dream which is awesome but like dude he fought Mike Jackson, who's a former professional boxer and not a very successful one at that in his last fight. And Mike Jackson pieced him up. And Mike Jackson's a shitty fighter. Um, so, like, no. Like, I don't know if you've seen the training videos of, like, those Logan kids, but, like, they're both fucking beast athletes. Now, do I think Logan Paul could beat up most fighters? No. But he has he's been training in boxing for a few years now. And I've seen the striking that CM Punk has, which is okay. Like, for the average human being, it's probably okay. But for a professional fighter, it's nowhere near the level it needs to be. He would get put to fucking sleep by Logan Paul. And it would be ugly, just like the Nate Robinson one. Mm. No, no. CM Punk should never. Now, if it was a grappling, you know what? In a grappling match, the Paul twins would probably fuck up CM Punk too. Even <laughs> They probably would. You know, do you know that they were like state? Like, uh, Dude, I don't know anything about these guys, bro. Well, they were like YouTubers who like got filthy, filthy fucking rich. I don't, I've never watched their shit, but like decided they wanted to go into boxing and like into fighting for like notoriety and stuff. But like, I don't know about Jake, but Logan Paul, his older brother, he was like a state champion in wrestling. And I saw him wrestling with, uh, Paulo Costas, who's like one of the top middleweights in the world. And, bro, he was fucking good. <laughs> like, I'm talking, like, really, really, really good. Like, Paul Costas didn't know what the fuck to do with him. And, like, people are like, he's a YouTuber. It's like, bro, look at him. No, he's not. Right. <laughs> and I'm sure that his brother has some semblance similar. of similar skills and everything like that. Like, I'm pretty sure, like, they would fuck up CM Punk. Probably would. <laughs> yeah. And plus, they're both bigger than him. So, I don't know. All right, we are up on three hours. Still a, a lot of questions left. Do you want to run through them or bounce them the next week? Bro, let's just run through these. Fuck it. We'll just go quick. Okay. We'll we'll literally go quick through these ones. All right. So uh, Karen from D.C. says, Guess who forgot that Balak Fale was briefly 
IWGP IC champion, this guy. Anyways, with the lineage of both titles now part of New Japan's past, what do you guys think was the least deserving IWGP champion in the belt history? Having seen literally none of the matches, I keep hearing Tadua Yasuda as a wrestler who came out of nowhere near skill level and charisma to deserve the heavyweight title. The same goes for Salman Hashimikov. Hashimikov. Never seen any of his matches. The reign lasted all seven weeks, and he never goes near the main title again. Also, I hate to say it, but I consider he did nothing of note in America. Scott Norton, heavyweight champion. Anyways, what are your thoughts on the subject? Um, Scott Norton's one of the like best IWGP champions ever. He's one of the best guiding champions. So, and uh, yeah, he wasn't a main eventer in in America, but he was actually. He was a star here, but he was a huge fucking star in Japan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it would either be Yasuda, Hajmakov, or uh, Evil. And I think Evil's firmly right in there with those two guys. Um, and, and, you know, Hajmakov's not even really a bad... He wasn't even a bad champion. Like, it, it's, it really comes down to Yasuda and Evil. Mm. That, that tells you how bad the Evil thing was. <laughs> but this... I But I said the same thing when Evil won the title. I said... Right. It comes down to him and Yasuda. Right. And you know what? Yasuda was a great fighter. He just like was kind of old and past his prime by the time they put the belt on him. Yeah. It was Inokiism. Uh His last question here says, if you could redesign one active belt in all pro wrestling, which one would you go with? It's easy to lean towards a main WWE belt since most of them are just a WWE logo with a different color scheme. But you're free to consider other promotions as well. Honestly, I kind of like the current ROH World Championship, but the previous design was probably my favorite belt in the world. When it was active, I didn't see any reason to change it. Also, I'd probably nominate the AEW women's belt. It looks okay, but the fact that it's so small compared to the men's belt really irritates me. I also suggest that it be Intercontinental Championship, but you know the deal there. Gotta sell those side plates. Um, I mean, I'll just keep it simple. I think they should just... I mean, like, if, I, if it was up to me, I would just revert this title back to the title we just had. <laughs> yeah, I would redesign this to... I would, be, yeah. to, be, to be the fourth version, the one that we just had. That's right. that's the redesign I would do. And add add the word world on there. I mean, I could I could come up with other answers, but I'm not invested in any of those other promotions. I'm just invested in New Japan. So yeah. <laughs> uh, moving on, Dom Homie 101. Any thoughts on the recent Andrade post at a B interview? Yeah, I, I guess we could have spent some time on that. Uh, there, there, he did talk about potentially working in Japan um, tonight. He was talking about opponents he'd like to face. Uh, he mentioned Okada. He mentioned um, uh, Ibushi. I think he mentioned uh, Omega. Different people like that. So I mean, he's kind of, you know, got his. He's thinking about all the different places he could work. Yeah, very interesting interview. I've only seen the translations. Um, you know. It's kind of like what we hear a lot of guys that leave that WWE. There's you know a lot of trouble creative. There's this, issues issues backstage. There's this, health issues. There's Saudi Arabia stuff. This man trying to tell everybody he was getting paid three million a year. Yeah, there's definitely a mistranslation. No, there. there's no mistranslation. This man's a fucking worker. He's <laughs> trying to get the most payday that he's capable of getting. He's like, oh, I was making three million in new or in <laughs> wwe that way when they pay him 500k a year he, like they think they're getting a steal when that's probably what he was making anyways right he's trying to maintain his uh, <laughs> same level of wealth uh but yeah some interesting stuff came out of that interview uh he said thoughts on the main event of usc 260 and the sensational knockout by francis nganu also thoughts the possible rumor of francis nganu versus john jones uh, i'll keep it short um yeah 
I was not surprised, but uh, at the same time horrified when Nganu uh, fucked up uh, Stipe. Um, I have more thoughts on it than just that, but like, yeah, super impressive performance by uh, Nganu. Yeah, I mean, also he turned the wrestling up this time compared to the first time they fought. Way more experience, was able to stuff, stop, stop the takedown, get behind, and just piece him up. I think Stipe just uh, he rushed in at the wrong time, and he also uh, fought too light. That's those are his two big uh, tactical errors. Um, as far as this Nganu fight with John Jones, I would love to see it. I th- I've firmly been on the record for years saying that John Jones will not be as successful at heavyweight as people think he will be um, for a, a myriad of reasons. I've got like five or six reasons I think John Jones will struggle significantly at heavyweight. Um, so I think if they did that fight, they need to cash out and. John Jones wants like $15 million to fight Nganu. And you know why? He doesn't want to fight him. No. He does want to fight him, but I think he also knows that it's a cash-out fight because I think he knows that he doesn't have, lose. He doesn't have the right frame for heavyweight. Mm. And he's always had trouble with bigger guys. And he doesn't have knockout power. And he's getting older. And he's got a suspect chin. These are these are all significant, you know, and he'll be slower. Like, these are all significant things to worry about. I think John Jones could be anybody, but John Jones is not going to run through the heavyweight division the way he did 205. Yeah. So never. And, and Ganu's the most dangerous guy out there. Um, I don't think this fight ever happens, to be honest with you. That's mm-hmm. my prediction. I don't think we ever see Francis Ngannou fight John Jones. Hmm. And if we do, um, John Jones could beat him. But I would put money on Probably Francis Ngana, sleeping him. Yes, knocking him out. I Kill. put I put money on Francis sleeping anybody that he fights. I think we see him in Derek Lewis soon. I would love if Derek Lewis knocked him out. <laughs> Derek Lewis' heavyweight champion would be the funniest That'd be shit hilarious. Ever. The, pros, the post-match promos we would get would be awesome. He also has thoughts on return of Oscar De La Hoya to the ring, who will be his opponent. To me, it will be against Fernando Vargas or Tito Trinidad. But I have this weird feeling that it could be Canelo. I think Oscar... Oscar wants that smoke with Canelo. Um, I don't have a lot of thoughts here. Oscar's too old to be fighting. Uh, he'll probably end up fighting like a YouTuber or like a Floyd Mayweather, someone very, very safe, um, or like an MMA fighter like a Conor McGregor. Like he, He's going to take payday freak show fights that people will pay for. He's not going to be fighting guys of yesteryear like, like uh, Fernando and Tito. It's not happening. And he, if he fought Canelo, I mean, that would either just be a business transaction or he'd get, like, killed. Also, that's any thought on Snoop Dogg and Triller involvement in boxing. Also, thoughts on Anderson Silva versus Julio Cesar Chavez Jr., LOL. Uh, I don't know anything about the Silva-JCC Jr. fight. I would still like to see Silva and Roy Jones fight at some point. Um as far as Snoop Dogg and Triller, I mean, they seem to be the the big names on the block. I, I don't know. Boxing's always changing. There's there's too many promoters. Who who the fuck knows? <laughs> and his last question, what are the young boys' thoughts? Uh, Terrence, Car- Terrence Crawford's comments on being over the Ariel Spence fight and not asking for it anymore. Do you think Bud is serious or is it just talk? In my opinion, I think the fight will eventually take place. Both guys got business to take care of. Ariel must go to go get that WBA strap. From you guys to make the Crawford fight for Undisputed, and Bud must fight a big name like Sean Porter or Keith Thurman to help build up the Spence fight. Well, it looks like they're um, they're serious considerations for Manny Pacquiao and um, and Bud Crawford to fight over in Saudi. 
So I don't know if that happens. It's been thrown out there so many times. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is the fight everybody wants, but it's not happening for money reasons and political reasons. So who the fuck knows? I mean, I mean that's, that's the only thing you can really say here. Who the fuck knows, you know? Yeah. Then uh, last thing here, recommended match of the week. So last week, Mav Gillis recommended to us to watch La Sombra versus Nakamura from CMLL with two out of three falls for the Intercontinental title. What do you think about this match, Josh? I, I like this match a lot. Um, w- one problem is it, it comes from an era when the production value of those... I mean, the CMLL shows still to this day, they're not the best, but they're, they're, mu- they're much more improved than they were. You know, what was this, 2013? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I've seen this match. Um, I like I like the match because Nakamura is there kind of like playing heel in Mexico City. And he comes in painted up. Yeah, they got the body paint with Bomaye on his chest. They do a lot of the same familiar spots from the matches that they had in Japan, but there's some sequences that I'm not as big of a fan of because, it, again, it is the two out of three falls, and so the first two falls are pretty short. Right, you had Nakamura hitting that big super landslide off the top there to get a quick fall for the first fall. Yeah, this is a very that's a very standard setup, and then the real match happens in the third fall, and I thought it was good stuff, but it sort of just ended abruptly, mm-hmm. and um, so that was sort of surprising there. But um, you know this this match was good. Uh, I don't think I liked it quite as much as the other matches that they had in Japan, but I mean it was a fitting um, addition to the mini rivalry that they had. And, uh, yeah, I like it quite a bit. I mean, if you've never seen it, I would say definitely check it out. I, it's very f- – if you've never seen La Sombra's work and you're only familiar with Andrade, definitely check it out. But it's always fun to see Nakamura kind of in foreign territory, you know. Right, and just, yeah, being the heel and then, yeah, the Bayface triumphing and La Sombra. I'm sure that was a big surprise at the time of him getting the IC title. I don't know. Possibly. I mean, I, like, I was – Watching New Japan, but not like this, you know. I, yeah. wasn't, I definitely wasn't keeping up with like CMLL. My my first real exposure to like Lasombra was um, the anniversary show with him in um, Atlantis. Mm, I heard that I mean, match is it, great. That match is incredible. Well, uh, it's my pick to pick the recommended match for the week. We got some more Nakamura. We're gonna go to Nakamura versus Dayboy Smith Jr. from Invasion Attack 2013. Good match. I knew this was gonna happen. Like. Sometimes you have this tendency where, like, uh, and, you know, it's mo- it's mostly with Nakamura. Like, someone shows you a Nakamura match, and then you want to recommend more Nakamura. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I miss him, man. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got to cut this shit. Let's get out of here. Yeah, so that's it. Thanks for checking out the show. Next week, we'll be back to review Secure Genesis. And if you enjoyed today's show, please make a... Donation by visiting com slash donate. Click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. The show is at KI Strong Style. The network is at Total Suplex. You can follow me at Jeremy L. Donovan on Facebook. We are Facebook.com slash Social Suplex. In the Wrestling Squared Circle, we are Facebook.com slash group slash Wrestling Squared Circle. On Instagram, we are at Social Suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Just Keeping It Strong Style. You can email me, Jeremy, at socialsuplex.com. Check out all the other shows here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. One Nation Radio should be back soon. Hosted by Rachel Ladder and James Boyd. We have the Ricky and Clive Russell show from Scotland. The Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex has just made its return with Josh Number 2 and Sandy. We have all things elite with Boyd and Austin. Their episode 100 coming up. 
this weekend. We also have the great match generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review. We'll catch you next week on Keeping It Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Ichiban. Evil sucks. <laughs> Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time.